Hello, hello. Oh, it's this again. <laughs> oh my gosh. What did we do wrong? Two steps forward, 14 steps back, as they say. We'll be we'll be back next time. It'll be fine. Uh, thank you for everyone who's listening to this and tolerating uh, the the thing. Uh, just a, just just a little bit under the weather. I'm doing okay, uh, but uh, just safety first. So that's what we're doing. We're doing this. So right. uh, so there you go. Fair I enough. want Dave to be healthy. I want Dave to be a healthy uh, fella. <laughs> that's overrated. Is it? Hi, everyone, and welcome to Sneaky Dragon. My name is David Dedrick. And my name is Ian Boothby. And again, I apologize for the sound quality. I will do my best uh, to uh, up my game to uh, compensate for it for, for this episode. All right. All right. Well, All right. You know, do it. Do what you can. What you can't do, don't. There you go. Did we just get cut off immediately? <laughs> no, it's I, I can hear you. Why are you? Am I cutting out? I got cut off. I, I didn't hear you for a, a period of time. There. Oh, okay. <laughs> like, okay. I made big, I made big claims, and then all of a sudden, it felt like, oh, we had a technical glitch, like right off the start. <laughs> that would be great. That would be like, oh. uh, that would be the best sneaky dragon ever. Just me talking oh, to you. I'd be doing like a long, like a long kind of thing, and then I'd be like, right in, and then you'd there'd be silence. <laughs> Yeah, I'm picturing you doing a future version of this uh, that's just you with a ventriloquist dummy that looks like me. It's just like, hey, knucklehead. Hey, what's your favorite types of gum? Well, and I'd go in. And I don't know why I sound like an old prospector. Yeah, I don't know. It's that's, easy, ventriloquist voice to do. that's the only one I can do. Yeah, I can only do an old prospector or a very young girl. Yeah, well, if you're, yeah, if you do it, you got to have contrasting characters. Yeah. So, like, if you're doing. Nowadays, you got to have different racial stereotypes. <laughs> Back right. in the day, it would be like a snooty, snooty rich boy, and then a yeah. dumb hick. Yeah, yeah. You know, those would be the the range. That's right. All I can do now is a uh, old man, and then uh, Islamic terrorists. Those are the only two uh, ventriloquist voices I can do. Yeah, wouldn't it be interesting if you found out that the old man actually was the terrorist? <laughs> you just found what a out twist. because you, you you assume some things about him. Yeah. You know? what his skin looked like, but maybe that's on you. Maybe it was the old man. Because that old man has a lot of uh, strong opinions. Yeah. And I yeah. think could have been swayed by uh, fa- uh, the right Facebook post. <laughs> yes. I have a feeling that old but man Facebook will never get vaccinated. He'll never get vaccinated. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's no way the old guy is getting vaccinated. Jeff, uh, that's, Jeff that's Dunham's... Sure. Just, I mean, doesn't have to be vaccinated. Let's, let's, uh, let's, let's put all our cards on the table. We are talking about Jeff Dunham. Who is still working, I believe, right? He's not stopped. Jeff Dunham? Yeah. Yeah, he's fine. Okay. Yeah, 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 I'm sure. Uh, for some reason, I just picture like him doing, uh, going to wherever that place is that uh, uh, Yakov Smirnoff went to, he- heaven. to take root. Heaven. Wherever that is. Like, heaven? Okay, very good. I am, <laughs> you are cutting out from me every so often here. Okay. So I'm like, uh, focus okay. On here. There we go. Uh, mm-hmm. where, where is that? Oh, there's a whole Simpsons song about it. Oh, well, it's, it's, uh, uh, it's in, yeah, it, yeah, it's like in Montana or something like that, right? Yeah, something along those those lines. But yeah, that's where Yakov Smirnoff has a show, which I believe is about relationships. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So he uh, so he does the thing where uh, he's uh, 
you know, uh, does uh, corny jokes about relationships, but yep. then goes, but you know what? Love is important. And then, you know, actually like spins it around. And it's like, oh boy, we know you want a TV show. <laughs> we know this is a TV show. And it's like the pilot that never ends. Okay. Have you watched this? Or you just heard about it? No, no, but. It? Oh, okay. But, uh, that, it, it's, it's something like you had the guy, right, who was, um, uh, I'll say you can't take it with you. That's not it. Um, but the guy from Sex in the City, who uh, he's just not that oh, into Greg, you know, that Greg something or other. Yeah, whatever uh, that that fellow's name was, uh, and uh, and you know, and so he kind of coasted on that for a while, and then had a, uh, a TV show where he tried to relationships through the power of comedy, and it was like, oh boy, it just was not uh, it was it was not good at all. Uh, they just uh, they milk that cow until it was dust, um, and yeah, I figure like Yakov Smirnov sees that and goes, "Hmm, what a country!" Uh, and he goes, "You can't just do a patriotic show anymore." Thor, would you? Hey, that might have been the way to go. Uh, and so he goes, "Relationships, here we go. Let's try and do this." Because this, uh, you know, unfortunately, um, communism went away, and uh, so did a lot of his act. <laughs> well, I think I, I think we saw that guy perform the not Yakov Smirnov, but. He's just not that into you guy. We saw him do something at yeah. Comedy Bang Bang, had him as part of their their roster. of I don't know how he got into that, because he was pretty hack compared to a lot of the other guys in that uh, yeah. group. Yeah, uh, that was the drag was, uh, you saw, like, everyone else decided to do, like, some, some alternative type stuff. Yeah. And then he came out and did, what I, listen, if you're playing a big room, you're going to do your A material. And I'm sure that material slays most times, yeah. but it was just the wrong room for it. And he didn't know or something, or maybe mm. he didn't have anything else. And so, you know, came out and just, uh, it wasn't bad. It was no, it's just, just, just kind of hack. Oh, you're cutting yeah. out. You're really cutting out now. Yeah. You're super cutting out. Oh. Uh, I think we, we should probably log back on again. Okay. This, this one is, uh, All right. is bouncy. Shortest sneaky right, dragon right. ever. Thanks for listening, everyone. Oh. Good night. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Stinky Dragon. My name is David Dedrick. And my name is Ian Boothby, and I apologize for the sound quality. Uh, I have a tummy ache. <laughs> oh, I don't know if that's a sign of uh, COVID. Mm, yeah, it was like, uh, just, it just had, a, it was feeling a little under the weather, and then so yeah. was uh, Pia. Yeah. So I was yeah. like, you know what? Let's be safe, and let's not infect Dave, and let's not, sure. you know, because this could then spread to the whole podcast community. <laughs> there you go. As we say here in British Columbia, better safe than Surrey. Oh, so, there you go. Yeah. You know who's laughing at that joke? <laughs> who's that? Uh, locals and people in England who are mishearing it. <laughs> That's right. They're like, yeah, fuck Surrey. That stupid area, wherever it is. I don't know. I think it's near I think it's near London. Yeah, right? they are. Yeah. Yeah, that I area. Think so, I think so too. I've never I don't think I've ever been, which is weird. I think we, like, oh you should yeah, probably driven have. through it, but uh, yeah. I miss it. I yeah, I miss. Uh, I'm. Oh man, I miss England. Holy cow! I, I, it'll it'll be weird going back, and it's all like Brexited and such. But uh, <laughs> you know, see if it's uh, any different. Yes. They have those uh, but, giant walls around the island now. <laughs> yeah, France is just saying, "Don't look at us." It's like uh, it's like the uh, just a, it's like children of men there. Just a big dismal gray place, empty of all joy. Yeah, all the colors uh, sucked out of it. Yeah. Uh, 
They did. Yeah. Little did they know what France I'll, brought to the to their culture. Good bread. Good <laughs> quality bread. France is great bread. Um, sir, I've got to assume oops, that, sorry. that they're the inventors of the baguette. Yeah, I got to assume they're the inventors of the baguette. Right? Who, who are? Sorry, what? Uh, France. Yeah. France must have invented the baguette. Yes, they did, and also the bag to hold the baguette. Oh, is that why they call it a? Oh, wait. Which came first? <laughs> That's a good question. The chicken or the bag? bag? Yeah. Got to, to put something in this. Mm-hmm. I don't know. How about something? Uh, this. What are you going to call it? Uh, the, the the baguette. Oh. <laughs> Because it goes in the bag. That's yeah. right. Well, it's, that's great. It's smaller than the bag, so a it's, a, it's a baguette. Yeah, yeah. Anytime you do a movie, you have to have someone walking with a bag <laughs> to show that we're in France. I'm like, yeah, exactly. Yeah, a striped shirt, a berry, a baguette in a bag, and uh, a Galois yes. cigarette. A whistling alouette. <laughs> yep. Ooh, I don't... Oh, that that does sound good. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say about Surrey, England, that you know, I possi- possibly have driven through it, but I feel like. Like when you read Dickens or you read Trollope or Jane Austen, you have like this sense of distance that isn't really like accurate to like most of the places you're reading mm-hmm. about, like these small villages are all like part of London now, you know, like all these little places where, you know, Darcy's riding like, you know, Gallop or let's say if you're watching the, 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 uh, 1980 one or 82 masterpiece theater version when Darcy walks for like 15 minutes while the letter's being read by, by Elizabeth. Uh, and it's just like this long shot of him just walking, like, cause I couldn't afford anything else, I guess. And, uh, yeah, you're just thinking like now, if it was like modern times, he would just be like walking down the street in some suburb of London. <laughs> that would be him walking. Uh, yeah, it's just all been all built, built away now. Like all those places, Hampstead and all those things that once upon a time, like, Sounded so far away. It's kind of like when you read um, The Great Gatsby, I've heard. Like when you read The Great Gatsby, everything sounds very far. Like they're driving from town to town a lot through Long Island. And then I, yeah. I was reading someone talking about that or reading someone commenting on this book and just saying, you know, the reality is now all those places are all connected. Kind of like, you know, just like everywhere else in the world, right? Like, so, you know, you're in, you know, Great Neck, Long Island, whatever place you're going to, Sassanac or something. I'm just making up these names, but you know what I mean. And then... <laughs> it's just like, you know, you just know you're in the next town because there's like a McDonald's and a Burger King and a Wendy's and a Kentucky Fried yeah. Chicken and a Taco Bell. And you're like, oh, this is another town. And then you keep driving and then you hit another McDonald's, Wendy's, blah, 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 and a gas station or two. And then, you know, oh, now we're in, now we're in, uh, you know, whatever, uh, upper, lower. Yeah, that was always my thing whenever I went to the States was, uh, okay, how many AM, PM, Mini Mart is it away? Like about five. Okay, okay. I got it. <laughs> five towns Sounds away. Good. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but yeah, then, that's five towns away. Yeah, that's five AM PMs. <laughs> those are gone, right? That's weird. Are AM PMs where, gone now? Where those go? I believe they are. I, I, I last couple of times I've, I've been, uh, I didn't see one. You know, I never seen any ads for well, them anymore. Something happened. A time change. Yeah. Oh, that's right. People, people don't want to be reminded of the time change. <laughs> right. I think. I think. Yeah, I think what happened was McDonald's started serving breakfast all day, and then mm. time lost all. <laughs> and there's no reason for and then the once that happened yeah we ended up with like you know the uh, pandemic and then time really let, lost all meaning yeah and now yeah who knows? we're back to doing the show uh you know remotely I mean, that's for some reason <laughs> who knows why i don't know everything's going backwards backwards forwards left right there's another sure. venom movie out who knows why <laughs> not, not even the makers now, this was a thing a, a person uh, was asking today um, uh, uh, that they were going to see the second Venom movie and, okay. and they hadn't seen the first one. All right. They're like worried, you know, will I, 
but I understand it. And so I said, I said to them, I, I honestly don't think the people who made it saw the first one. So no, you're okay. It's all fine. Yeah, I, don't, I don't even know if they're related to each other by, yeah. other than by I mean, name. They're, they're, they're the kind of uh, people who uh, want to see a Marvel movie, but go, I haven't watched the first 27. Will I understand it? Nah, maybe. <laughs> he talks to ants. Does it matter? He's shrinked. And- yeah. He's an ant. I know. I don't think it matters myself. Yeah. You know, I go. I go into every um, Fast and the Furious movie, forgetting everybody except Vin Diesel. And I'm like, who else is there? Oh, look, that character. Oh, mm-hmm. I don't know. I thought they were dead. I don't know. They're all bald. Everyone's bald. Yeah, it's all fine. There's something toxic in in the work environment of the Fast and the Furious films. Well, I think they just go so fast their hair blows. <laughs> the women are all right though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, they're unless the they're wearing wigs. Oh, they're passengers. Is that they only get to be passengers? Well, they don't. Yeah, they leave their windows rolled up, whereas you know the cool guys stick their heads out of the windows like dogs, okay. and then their hair eventually blows away. Yeah. So, okay, Vin Diesel. That's one person. Yeah, The Rock. The Rock. Jason Statham. Is it Michelle Rodriguez? Yeah. Michelle Rodriguez. Is that her name? Yeah, Michelle Rodriguez is in there. Um, uh, Gal Gadot occasionally. What really? In that. Gal Gadot is in yeah, Fast Gal and Gadot, Furious. Yeah. Then there's um, yeah, yeah. then there's uh, the fellow who who died who was in the original. That's right. Yeah, I can't remember his name. So <laughs> sorry, person. And, uh, and then yeah, and the and everyone else. And then there's a bald, uh, bald hip hop guy. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Um, oh boy. It's not like most deaf, uh, but uh, some. Yeah. You see all the names I would make up. Yeah, would just sound like so. If, it's Big Naz. So, I want to. Say, I want to say Delirious, and that ain't his name. I know that's wrong. Oh, okay. But that gets me. I know. Wrong. I know who you. Yeah, I know who you mean. Ludicrous. That's who it is. Ludicrous. Yeah. 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 There you go. He he was in. Um, he got, wasn't he in like Shaft or something like that? I can't remember now. He's he's all right though. He's good. He's he's fine. Oh, he's he's a delight. His friend. Who's always panicking is also a delight. I've not watched all those films. Also bald. I've never seen those movies. I saw that first one at the drive-in theater many, oh, many years seen ago. Them all. Nothing, yeah, nothing changes after they uh, stop stealing DVD players. It's basically, that's the whole thing. Yeah, you're <laughs> fine. Yeah, you got it then. <laughs> I'm feeling like I'm just going to start at number four. I, I want to skip. I want to skip Tokyo Drift. Yeah, because it doesn't feel like it's really part of the the story. Like skip Tokyo Drift, and then later on. Go back to it just okay. to see who the hell that guy is. Okay, but yeah, that sounds, sounds about right. Because I don't think no, Vin, Vin Diesel is not in Tokyo Drift, is he? Ooh, okay. Well, I don't. I don't want to say. Oh, okay. You know? I mean, oh, okay. That, I, was, I know spoilers. Then let's not. We don't want to spoil the movie. Yeah. Hey, I want to. Apolo- um, I want to apologize to you. Actually, speaking of movies, I okay, went. I go went. Ahead. I went and saw No Time to Die this uh, this weekend. Saw it in IMAX. Right. Very exciting. Uh, and by mm-hmm. the way, you were right. I know you like to hear those words. You were right. The little shooty thingy sequence is at the very beginning of the movie. And I, I, I poo-pooed you last time, and I thought it came after the cold open and before the credits. But no, it's uh, it's take it opens the uh, cold open. And what was interesting with this well, one was the they slowly made like I never knew what what it was when I was a kid. Like I didn't know what that I didn't know it was like the rifling of the. The, the the gun. I don't even know if guns have rifling in them. But anyway, I never realized. That I, I didn't know it was supposed to be like the gun barrel that we were seeing. Mm. Yeah. Uh, I just didn't understand that at all. And now now they make it like they use like computer animation or whatever to make it look more like like a, a gun barrel. In fact, they have like a reflection of the scene that we're seeing open. You know, open the movie 
reflected in the gun barrel as well to make it even more like, oh, this is a gun barrel. Whereas when you watched it when you were a kid, well, the- it was like a floaty thing that was moving around. And then when the yeah. person, when James Bond shot the person, then blood came down and it, I guess the person was bleeding so much, they bled all over their gun. And then it would, the Not blood even all would over obscure. The gun. Inside the gun. Inside as it well. Was like- yeah. It, they yeah. inside the gun like it, it was so much blood it saturated the inside <laughs> the entire gun yeah it's like it was drowning in blood yeah. and then uh and then that the, was one thing the movie I was thinking, by the way in the, in the golden eye game was yeah. when you got shot you would get that blood coming down i was like oh i'm that guy oh oh i don't like being this guy i don't like having all this blood that's a lot of blood a victim of james bond yeah so we went and, we went and saw it and it was uh, it was good go ahead. that's all i just want to say it was good yeah i will say uh, I will say it's good as well. Here's the one thing that bothered me. And again, and you know, this is uh, this is again, nothing spoilery, but, uh, <laughs> but what bugged me was um, before the movie began, began, there was a thing that came up and, and it said, don't spoil the movie. Okay. And, okay. And that was like, okay. Shut up. You know, listen, <laughs> it just bugs me. Like when I go, okay, there's, there's those multiple things, but first of all, that to me is like someone leaning over to you and going, there's some twists. <laughs> yes. Like, I don't need to know that for a movie. Movie, You don't need to tell me, you know, hey, don't tell people what's in the movie. Because either you're telling me there's stuff that's in the movie, which is actually telling me stuff mm-hmm. before the movie starts, which I don't need to hear. Thank you. Or you're saying, hey, don't be a snitch and, like, ruin the movie. And, like, well, that's insulting to me. I paid to see this movie. I'm going to watch the movie. And don't tell me what to do with my life. I'm not going to tell people things. But knock it off. No one did that before Jungle Cruise. You know? (laughs) Well, you're allowed to spoil Jungle Cruise. That's okay. 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 But But it's actually a a federal offense to spoil a James Bond film. It's an old old law. It's a law that came in in the 60s during the initial Bond enthusiasm of the 1960s. Yeah, they call that... uh, uh, Lazenby's Live. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think Connery would have gotten it. But it's it was like, very strange. It wasn't. It, well, it wasn't. Uh, it didn't have uh, that uh, nice bit of. Um, oh darn it! My brain does this turned off. Sorry. The you know the the two the L and the L together. Whatever that's called. There's a, there's a word oh, for yes, it. Yes. There's a word for it, but I don't know it. Well, if, if the first person who uh, comes up with what that word will win um, a stick of gum. We'll send you a stick of gum yes. in the mail. Yes, but it might be. Here's me. the two things that bug me before uh, a movie. I didn't see that. Um, it did, by the way, that did not show when uh, I saw the movie. Okay, yeah, that was right before our movie. So th- it made a hat trick that was like stop it, um, because I know there's people like my sister-in-law and like yourself who do not watch trailers on YouTube or whatnot because yep. you want to go to the movie clean right sure do. so but what happens is you go to your you go to your movie you show up 15 minutes early and what do they do they show you a trailer for the movie you're about to watch yes i hate that and now well there's scenes in this mm-hmm. you're now seeing scenes that you're going to see so if you want to come in clean you can't because you've just showed me a trailer for the movie i'm about to see mm-hmm. thing one bad don't do that <laughs> thing two yeah. Yeah. what 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 ends up happening uh quite often now is you know, characters from the movie will come up and go, thanks for coming to the movies. We really enjoy you being here at the movies with us. We're going to start with a little quiz. You know, one of these characters has a flaw. And that flaw is one of these three things, you know. Uh, can they not swim? Can they not pronounce the letter R? Or can, <laughs> can they not be around cats? Like, well, now you know a plot point in the movie, you fucks. Don't tell me that. <laughs> 
Yes. Don't tell me. Don't tell me trivia about the movie before I'm about to see. It. I don't need to know extra information that will be revealed in the movie. Get lost. Yeah. You don't one have to sell me on the movie. I'm clearly here to see that movie. You know, and uh, now you're ruining it for people that uh, you know want to come in uh, fresh. You're just telling them, hey, don't just come in at the last second. That's what I. Last that's what I. Second, that's what I do. And then get your seat. Well, I, yeah, I, chuck, I guess chuck, they chuck, did chuck, it accidentally it. because I, we got caught in a big traffic jam on the way to the movie. So it was very tense. Yeah. Very tense moment. And then in the middle of that, Eve uh, yeah, called. Just, it, oh. Oops. Go. What? Huh? You're still. You're huh? Still, I didn't. I thought you were. I thought you were done. <laughs> so I'm just, sorry, I was on. done. Please tell, go, me, go. tell me your tense moment. Oh, I was just gonna say it. We're just the. And Eve called and. Yeah, it was just a tense moment. We were in traffic, and you know, it was just like, "Oh, are we gonna make it to this movie in time?" Oh my god, I don't like going to movies late, so I was very, very nervous, and I get kind of, uh, I get kind of grumpy before we go see a movie because I, I get very anxious about being on time for the movie. But um, then Eve called, and she was, she was like, um, "Hey, can we, can we move Thanksgiving dinner to Monday? This is on Saturday. We were having it on Sunday, and we said, uh, "No, dear, because we, we have, we have nine other people coming over, so we can't." postpone the meal sorry so eve didn't make it but anyway we did make it to the movie though oh we did make it to the movie on time and uh just did, uh, just on time apparently okay did eve get any leftovers or anything yeah that, uh, yeah she and mary came mary, she, well mary came for dinner but uh, and then she and eve came back on monday and we they had some leftovers but it's not really the same like leftovers blah. leftovers are i don't know Leftovers. Leftovers are leftovers. That's that's her name. <laughs> Something. I don't know. I think I think I think the king of leftovers mm-hmm. or the queen of leftovers is Thanksgiving leftovers because you can do so much with them. You can really you can really make those sing. Traditional leftovers, yeah, take or leave. But Thanksgiving leftovers, that that's some good sandwiches. That's some good soup. That's some good business coming your way mm-hmm. for a couple of days. So, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm, nice. No, I do. I do like the the sandwiches, and and so yeah, I, I doubled my stuffing recipe, so I would have plenty <laughs> plenty left over for sandwiches after. Uh, stuffing is so good, and yet we do not have it the rest of the year, except for Christmas. You would probably it would late, but you know that's what makes it kind of special is that you only have it <laughs> once or twice a year. And that's that's the magic of stuffing. If you had it all the time, but what's time what's the no great meaning? About it? Time has. No meaning. Yes, stuffing year round. Oh well, that's uh, fine. Time, it's, it's, so, it's so damn delicious. Time does have meaning, <laughs> unfortunately. Yeah, I guess it's like a, it's like you know, uh, birthday cakes wouldn't be special if you ate cake on a regular basis. Yeah, but you know, it'd be like a oh, cake. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you ate a cake a week, you would just be like, hmm. or same with <laughs> stuffing, it'd just be. Hmm. Yeah, but uh, you know, yeah, you're right. It does make it special. Yeah, like when you eat, like I made some pies for for dinner. And you know that's special. It's pies. We don't ha- don't have pies every week, so makes it fun. It's part of the fun. Unfortunately, I find that I do I can't enjoy the meal that I make. I find I don't really enjoy it very much. Okay. I like I like other people's meals, <laughs> not, but not mine. I think I think yeah, it's just, similar. Yeah, I think it's just because you're just exposed to all the smells for like, you know, like well turkey. You're like exposed to the smells for like three hours or whatever, and then. And then, you know, you're going in there and you're basting it or, whatever, you know, and getting it ready and, and take it out. And it, I don't know. It just feels like by the time I'm eating it, also I'm hypercritical, so that doesn't help anything. But, but yeah, you just kind of, you're just kind of like, well, it's tastes, well, it sure tastes like it smells all day. <laughs> so I don't know. Everyone else is like, oh, this yeah, is great. Uh, yeah, I don't, uh, I don't really eat uh, uh, birds 
<laughs> anymore. But we were we did for Thanksgiving. We were like, okay, we'll just for it's a special occasion. Sure. We, yeah, so, we had a vegetarian uh, eat with uh, us, and she she uh, broke fast to to have turkey with us. So. Oh, that's cool. Um, yeah, what we what we did was we were going. Oh, we'll just get it. I'll get like a really good chicken instead because turkey is too much. It's just it is too, a lot. Yeah. Too big. Yeah. Um, so uh, tried to get that from the store and store uh, no uh, no one chicken. Can't get one chicken. Uh, I was uh, had to end up getting uh, three chickens because that was the only way they sold uh, good chickens. So ended up giving one to uh, Vicky and we got one in the freezer for yeah. uh, future uh, future endeavors. Wow. Um, Did you stuff it? So, yeah. Um, uh, just use just use some commercial stuff, man. Stuffing kind of stuff or what? Yeah, kind of thing. Okay. And then uh, did a compound butter and put that underneath the skin and put that all around. That was uh, that was really really good and some mm. some nice vegetables. Cooked it on top of you know carrots and onions and and celery and whatnot. And uh, yeah, that was really uh, really tasty. Good stuff. Well <laughs> I've done. I've never uh, done that. Well you've, done. You've Made recommended. A nice, uh, soup. Yeah, nice uh, soup afterwards I'm good uh, from it for the next next day uh, use some ramen noodles because you know why not it's cheap uh, and uh, yeah it was a very nice uh, chicken noodle soup sure didn't help you though did it you're sick no it failed yeah, yeah. it failed yeah, <laughs> maybe because you use ramen that's <laughs> the wrong noodles that's, yeah, a, that's not the healthy noodles yeah, that's fair. And I did make some ramen for breakfast as well. So <laughs> what do I know? I, I, I learned not from my mistakes. <laughs> I, I made something I never made before tonight, actually, for dinner. What's that? I made, what did I make? I made, oh, then, actually, let me tell you what a disaster that happened on Thanksgiving cooking Oh, I'd day. like to know both stories, please. Okay, well, let me start with the disaster because we're, so we're, we're not, right. not jumping back to, to uh, Thanksgiving, but I was... Um, cooking the vegetables so i got the turkey out of the oven and then like when i get the turkey out then i start i just start cooking the vegetables because it doesn't you don't have to steam them for too long and you know you don't want to you don't want to steam them for too long otherwise you end up with your mom's vegetables and um <laughs> so i was yakking with my brother-in-law and i put the carrots and the brussels sprouts on and the brussels sprouts it just wasn't boiling and i was like what's wrong with this thing and it was being very weird feeling on the element and it wasn't until later that I started smelling the Brussels sprouts burning that I realized, oh my God, I forgot oh. to put water in the pot. And so the entire oh. bottom of the pot oh. melted off of the pot onto the stovetop. Oh. So when I lifted off the, the pot, it like pulled partway off of the stove. And I had to get like a metal spatula and scrape the, the metal part off. And as I did that, chunks of metal came off of it onto the floor and burned our linoleum. Oh in three four different oh. spots and uh it wasn't fun luckily no one got burned that was very lucky and um i just kind of threw it outside <laughs> down to the back back patio down below in the rain just to get rid of the metal hot metal stuff and the chickens chickens looked on shot <laughs> like what are you doing this is our the sign <laughs> the sky is falling and um <laughs> Yeah, it was quite the thing. So uh, we had uh, gourmet smoked Brussels sprouts for for dinner. So, <laughs> so I just I just cut off the burnt bits and just cooked them anyway. Because like waste not, want not. So yeah, it was kind of terrible. But ah, you know, that's typical me. Just over focused on something and this kind of neglecting my my duties. So. Oh, well, live and learn. I've done it before. It was funny. that it ha The very last time I did something like that, it was with him as well, because he he was trying to put together some sort of 
roster something for his baseball. And so I was helping him do an Excel spreadsheet. This is a long time ago. He actually was living with us for a while. My brother-in-law was living with us for a while in our, in our, in our, our basement suite that we don't use, but we have like a setup downstairs that could be a basement suite if we wanted to do that. And so at that time, um, he had left, he and his wife had broken up. And so he was living downstairs where he's kind of in transition. And so he needed help with this thing. And so I was showing him how to do Excel. And we were, and I got really into it and we were working away on it for a while. And I realized, oh my God, I left a pot boiling upstairs. So I went back upstairs <laughs> and there was this pot on the stove and all the water had been boiled right out of it. And it didn't, it wasn't very good for the pot. So I, heave-ho pot, <laughs> so long. Yes. I was really upset about the pot this time though, because that was a, a real favorite of mine. And now it's oh, not nice. not a favorite, any, well, anymore. Can you get to you get another one of the style? I don't know. Type? We bought it. We bought it as a set many many years ago. Um, I don't even know why we bought uh, it as a set. I think we got it like at Liquidation World or something at a on a on a hot red hot bargain. So I, I think. Well, I'm glad. To, I'm glad no one got hurt with that. But please tell me more about your red hot bargain that turned into, <laughs> you know, that's the prophecy. <laughs> no, it's related. fine. Fine. Don't. I was just gonna say. So. So yeah. Tonight, I um, oh, a couple of weeks ago, I was at the grocery store and I saw this bottle of sweet chili sauce. Do you know that stuff? Uh, I I, I have some sweet sweet chili sauce. Yes. Yeah. It's a very like attractive color. The, the okay. And I was like, oh, this looks really good, just because the color is so nice. And, uh, and so I bought the bottle of the stuff, amusingly Cox, Cox, uh, sweet chili sauce. And so I, um, okay. yeah, yeah. Okay. And so it's been sitting in the house for a couple, a couple weeks. And so I thought, well, I might as well use that. So I was at the store, um, tonight I bought, I was buying some, I bought some chicken and brought it home and I decided I was going to make some sort of sweet chili chicken thing. And so I, uh. I just looked up online some recipe, you know, and of course I had to scroll down 400 pages of, of nonsense to find the actual recipe. And, uh, and then, yeah, I just, so I guess it was like a, it was like a battered chicken. So I had to batter, okay. the, batter the chicken and then and cook it in oil on the stovetop and then, and then um, get rid of all the frying oil and then uh, put more oil in the frying pan and then put, add some garlic to it and then, and then recook the the chicken and then add the add the uh, sweet chili sauce and some lime juice and stuff. It was, it was oh, really good. It was a lot of business. It was a lot of okay. business. Okay. It was quite a bit. That's why I was a bit late because it said like a 20-minute cooking time. Uh, maybe 20 minutes if you have like a, a wok or something like that. But like they recommended that you put like you have two inches of, of uh, oil to cook in. Well, one thing, no, I'm not going to use two <laughs> an entire bottle of cooking oil to, to make this. So I had I took like one of a smallish frying pan and I filled it with like a, a half an inch of the oil and I just turned it over while I was cooking. And then I cooked in smaller oh. batches. So it did it did kind of take a bit longer to do it that way though because I just I didn't want to like lose the heat of the oil by putting too much in at one time. Right. And uh, so I just did it. It's smaller batches, so it took a bit longer to do, but it, that's why it. Uh, and I'd never done it before as well, so you just never know. But you, it was really uh, good. It turned out really good. I was really happy with it. Cool. You, you do you reuse your oil afterwards? No, no, I won't. It wasn't much left after it had been in there. Okay. Well, I'm just saying, if you're if you're worried about you know, oh, I'm using this much oil. I mean, you can use it a couple of times. You know, if you're if you're cooking chicken. I've done that with know, with fries. Well, we well, we made deep. You know, we've used uh, oil for fries. I've kept it because you just use so much for fries. But this wasn't like a yeah. this wasn't like a ton. It was just like okay. like a half an inch of a of a of a uh, soup can was left when I was done. So 
Uh, that's fine. It's okay. Yeah, I've used the uh, I've used that uh, that sauce, and that to me is just like throw chicken in a pan, uh, garlic, uh, onions, uh, you know, usually green onions or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, season, season, and it's like sauce on top. Mix, 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 mix. Done. Yeah. yeah. And I'm sure there's you know your way is uh, and mine is eh, it's fine. No, I mean it's, I'm sure it's, uh, it's, it's really just the sauce that adds adds the that's the fun to it. So. But it was kind of nice doing the batter and stuff. It was really, it was like an easy way to, it was an easy batter. It wasn't like a multi-dip thing. You just like uh, added a bunch of ingredients into a bowl and then you just threw the chicken into it and kind of mixed it up a bit and then plopped that, that gluey mess into the, uh, into the um, frying pan. And it was good. It was good. Yeah. It's also a good dipping sauce if you make mozzarella sticks. Oh, okay. That's um, good to know. Yeah. It was pretty, pretty well with that. It's uh, it's similar to, eh, it's sort of similar. There's like a, a red jelly you get, like at Red Robins, uh, when you uh, get the mozzarella sticks there, and it's uh, of the oeuvre of that <laughs> enough that I think it's uh, it's fine. Okay, all right. I haven't had that in uh, oof, like 15 years, maybe. That used to that used to be a thing that you and I would do. We'd go to Red Robin. That's right. Yeah, we have. It uh, must have been less than 15. Must have been. Uh, but it seems like a long, long time ago that uh, that we uh, used to do that on the regular. Yeah, that's when we could eat more. Now we couldn't possibly. Mm-hmm. And uh, I remember Red Red Robin's big thing when they were starting in town was, "Hey, we'll uh, videotape your uh, sporting event and then we'll play it on our screen. Bring your team and watch your game while you eat." Oh, neat! I and so, if you that. went to Red, yeah. Yeah, if you went to Red Robin, say, on a weekend, you'd be like, oh, who's on the screen? Oh, these people are terrible. They're awful. Oh, oh wait, that, that's them. They're sitting, they're sitting next to me. Oh, okay, I understand. This is the things. But then everyone else in the restaurant, of course, had to watch the Amber uh, Sports game on the big screens. Uh, but it was still fine. There was some charm to that. I guess. They're, aren't they a local thing? Aren't they a local Red company? Robin? Yeah. Well, they're in the States as well. Oh, are so they? Oh, okay. Probably not. Okay. Yeah. I don't know where I got that idea then. But yeah, no, they were the. Yeah, they they feel like a TGI Fridays knockoff mm-hmm. to me. Mm-hmm. Maybe, but uh, TGI Fridays is terrible, and well, Red Robin is not too not too bad. One that time... is uh, that is correct. <laughs> one time I went to stop, that place, I was very disappointed with TGI. The difference is one terrible. One is <laughs> yeah, one is not terrible. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> um. Red Robin is was good for one thing, which is they brought bottomless pops to restaurants here in the Lower Mainland. Before they came along, I don't remember any restaurant uh, refilling your Coke for free. So I, I thank them for that. And then um, it was also the first place I ever had buffalo wings at. I never experienced that. In well, the... I'm, I'm assuming I'm assuming Buffalo had them first. I, I where I tried them first. I, I'm not saying the world. I'm just saying for, oh, my, for myself. That's the starting point. Okay, very good. You know, the first place they ever had sushi, Dave, yes. was uh, a Burnaby. That's uh, where sushi was at. That's the first place they ever had sushi. I did not know that, but uh, I always assumed yeah. that it started in Japan, but it, apparently I was wrong. Okay, no. well, here's the thing about Red Robins. Yeah. Red Robins started uh, in uh, Seattle in 1969. Oh, okay. Okay, that's and why I thought it was local. Seattle's very local. Yeah, it's franchised in 79 uh, in Yakima, Washington. And uh, has now spread around. So, so yeah, good. You were correct. <laughs> I was not correct, but I guess I said I said local. I didn't say it was Canadian. So I guess that's it yeah. was local. It was local. E you could Local-ish, drive to yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that's yeah. that's fine. The first one I went uh, to was in Coquitlam. So that's yeah. Like I said, it felt it yeah, felt like it was Red, local. 
<laughs> the first the first Red Robins was actually called Sam's Tavern, and oh, okay. uh, the yeah, and the owner Sam yeah sang in a quartet, and uh, his sorry, favorite he, did song, you say he sang in a barbershop barber quartet? Okay, okay. Yeah, and what would, what was his favorite song? Would you say uh, that he sang in his barbershop quartet? Uh, it would have been um, his favorite song would have been uh, "Down by the Old Mill Stream." Well, yeah, and that's why the restaurant is called the Old Mill Stream. <laughs> the, uh, his favorite song was called "When the Red Red Robin Comes Bob Bob Bob." And oh, that's I didn't even think of that song as like a barbershop song, but I guess it could be sung in that way. And, sure. he, and he sang it so much they changed it to Red Robin because people would just call it Red Robin because he sang that song so much. Oh, okay, okay. Interesting. They well, they there. You know the Red Red Robin. Not, like when I they have sort of changed a little bit because they do have like um, on their menu they have a bunch of burgers that are called like tavern burgers and they're a little smaller than their okay. normal burgers and a little cheaper and uh, so you can buy those if you want and maybe that's like a, a nod to that to that time period and they have their tavern sauce as well which is their you know so yeah there there you go they they acknowledge their Sam's Tavern past to this day yeah. And and it's something you can tell your your dad about. Your dad is a barbershop quartetist, so was, you know it's like, hey, it's got it's got barbershop roots. <laughs> if you're ever looking for my my dad place. got my dad got disillusioned with barbershop quartet singing. But sorry, I think I've talked over you and you talked. It's <laughs> hard doing this, boy. We've been away from this for a while. It's a. Uh, it's... I know it's all time. Ing, ing. Yeah, <laughs> I, I appreciate everyone's frustration. Uh, it's hard because when we do the show together, we look at each other while we're talking, and so we can see when the other person is anxious to say something or is going to continue, and so we don't we don't step in each other's lines, so to speak. Um, yeah. But in this instance, we well, yeah. we we do. Yeah. Well, we're, what we also do is we quietly mouth to the other person, "Shut up!" Shut up! We shake our fists at each other. Forward. That's right. I keep. I have a knife on a stick that I kind of threaten you with from a distance. So, yeah. Uh, I want to throw a, a recommendation out for uh, something that's on the TV. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, this is. Uh, I watched, uh, and not my wife's show. Uh, Why the Last Man? Watch that. <laughs> that's what I was expecting. Show everybody. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, but it, but it is coincidentally, it's on Disney Plus, uh, oh. which her show is on. In, okay. uh, if you go to Europe, that's where it's at. Okay. Um, no, I watched uh, Muppets uh, ha um, Haunted Mansion. Okay. And uh, good. Really? Yeah, it's good. Yeah, it's entertaining. It's uh, it's got the it, it, you know you know what it's got, which mm. uh, a lot like firstly it's got some good songs. Uh, it's got some good corny jokes. That's all fine. Uh, yeah. A little bit of nostalgia, but not too much. Sure. The Muppets don't, don't break up for no damn reason. Um, but the but the thing I liked about it was it brought an element of the old Muppet show that you don't uh, really see a lot now, which is menace. Ah, uh, yes, you're right. Menace, We've talked about that in the past, yeah. but like Sweepy or the the Foggy Bottom Nightmare Band, which as a kid were like legitimately scary things that you 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 felt like sweep that sweet sweetums I should say from uh, the the Princess and the Frog. You know, it was very. He's very scary in that, uh, that, that mm -hmm. you know, the monsters were scary. They weren't just, they weren't, they were, I guess they were kind of cuddly sometimes, but often they were very, very scary. Yeah. There's a real balance you got to make uh, with this kind of special mm -hmm. and they do it well. And there's like some legit, uh, you know, uh, 
jumps jump scares that are pretty good and then other ones that lead into you know um you know uh laughs which is which is fine yeah they do a nice thing with the uh the bride character the kind of uh, black widow bride mm. uh uh character from haunted mansion and then and then you know basically i know haunted mansion from your descriptions of it so i was okay. watching it going oh this is the stretching elevator oh this is the <laughs> thing that takes oh, Dave likes this bit. yeah i do love the uh, i love the haunted mansion i love just love it because it has such a great sense of humor to it i think that's really fun i think i like the fun parts of those those old rides yeah and they have they have a legitimate creepy thing for the lead character to go through near the end that you're like, oh, all right, nice, good stuff. Well, one thing, though, and I I did get a mystery solved for me that, uh, uh, and uh, I'll just tell the story for one minute, Um, but uh, the bride character who, you know, uh, kills her her husbands, um, when I was a kid, I was watching... um, uh, a special on the haunted mansion that was like uh, on a wonderful world of Disney. And they had an image of her that was horrifying to me as a skeleton that was just like popped up and was just like terrifying with like a glowing chest. And it was just, Oh, <laughs> and then as I got older, I was like, Oh, I should look that up. And I looked, I looked around, I was like, it's, it's just nothing like that. Did I imagine <laughs> what the, and it turned out when it, when it first started, yeah. she was this horrific skeleton and then that changed over time and evolved and what have you. But mm-hmm. this was a special from back when, yes, she was still this thing. So I've had this burned in my head of like, uh, you know, this, uh, that I'm never going to the haunted mansion. That's too scary for me. Yeah. But uh, it's uh, gotten a little uh, nicer. That's funny. I don't remember that part of it, but it's been a long time since I wrote on the legitimate one. <clears throat> when I last my bin, I went there, with, they had superimposed uh, a nightmare before Christmas over top of the original Haunted Mansion uh, um, elements. So it was hard to see like the original things. Like you could, it was kind of, it was just so, so slapped. It was done in such a slapdash manner though, that it was, it was very annoying because you could, you could see like, there's like, when you're going through, there's a part where there's like a ghostly ballroom dancers dancing in this ballroom that you're looking down on. It's not that it's scary. It's just kind of neat. But you know, when I went through the, the last time that they, you could see the ballroom dancers, but over top of them are like characters from a nightmare before Christmas, like sort of just there, not doing anything, not being funny or being interesting, just there. It's just so, it's just so like lame and, 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 yeah. and it just feels, it feels, you know, it's just, it's, it's kind of like they did the same thing with Pirates of the Caribbean, like, you know, okay, Pirates of the Caribbean inspired, inspired in quotation, in quotes, inspired the movie Pirates of the Caribbean, not, not at all, but, you know, but when the movie was popular, they, they then retrofitted elements of the movie back into the ride. So, you know, whereas before you went in, it was just like Paul Freeze as, you know, pirate Davy Jones or whoever, you know, warning you as you went into the, the ride, you know, that uh, dangers awaited you. When you went again, it was the tentacle-faced Davy Jones warning you, you know, and then they had they had Jack Sparrow in a barrel in the in, in the town square, hiding in a barrel or something like that, and and it's just, it's not, but it's not funny though, right? There's nothing, nothing funny about it. Like, whereas the old ride was fun. It had like, you know, the dog, like this, they do do the scene in the movie where they're trying to like tempt the dog to bring the key to the, to the cell door. And that, that's in the right. ride, right? It's, but you know, like yeah. in the, in the, it's just part of the fun of the ride are all these kind of little fun tableaus. Whereas, you know, the movies, that's not what the movie's about. And that's fine. Like the movie should be its own thing. But I feel like the ride should be its own thing and the movie should be its own thing. 
and Haunted Mansion should be its own thing, and then Nightmare Before Christmas should be entirely unrelated to Haunted Mansion because it has nothing to do with it. You know, it's just this weird idea that, like, oh, the Haunted Mansion and Nightmare Before Christmas is like a scary movie, so we'll put them together, and that'll be, that will, whatever whatever it does, it's synergy or something, some word that advertising yeah, people I, I use. Yeah, I wonder, well, two, uh, two, two quick things. One, uh, I wonder if they tried to do anything like that when the Haunted Mansion movie came out with Eddie Murphy. Uh, but no one really liked that movie, so nah, forget it. But I wonder if that was ever in the works. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. To Eddie Murphy it up. Yeah. I mean, if it, if it had have been popular, for sure it would have been incorporated into it. Yeah. But uh, when you're talking about the um, the ballroom dancers, mm-hmm. you know, this is a good example of what they did here was uh, they had the Muppets doing the ballroom dancing. But, of course, now they're doing them, like, from the Muppet show. Yes, yeah, so I was like, going to say, that's a perfect chance for like, the, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's perfect. It's just, you know, they're all doing corny jokes that are really, you know, dark jokes, you know, that are appropriate for ghosts to be telling. It's like, that's how you do it. Yeah. It's like you you merge the two worlds together and now we got something. That's great. Not just paste it on top. Literally pasting it on top is what they, it feels like they did with Pirates of the Caribbean and, as you're saying, Nightmare Before Christmas. Yeah. Which, yeah, it's just, it's just you know, like... I mean, if they want to build a ride for Nightmare for Christmas, that's whatever. Go knock yourself out. But I mean, part of the problem now, of course, is that all the rides, like the modern rides, are nowhere near as as fun as, or innovative feeling as the as the old rides. I mean, they're they're good. They're fun. You know, they're still fun rides. Like Splash Mountain is a fun ride to go down. Or the it's been a long time since I was there. A lot of these rides were probably gone. I mean, Splash Mountain will be there forever. But there was a um, Indiana Jones ride. You know. That was fun. It was fun, but it's not like it's not s- clever. It's not. It's not like it's not smart. It wasn't like cleverly done or have anything neat about it. It's just like that. That's it. There you go. It's just a reproduction of the movies. You remember those movies? Here you go. This is like it. And so, let's go ahead. No, go. You you go. I was gonna, I was going to ask. Do they still make rides that are unique rides? Uh, or do they just make rides based on already existing properties now? Because it feels like there are now movies based on the unique rides, <laughs> yes. you know, that yeah. they've gotten. Are they still tr- trying to do that? Like just pick no, a theme? No, it's and, all, it's all know, based. It's like, yeah, it's all based on, uh, it's all based on, uh, on existing, existing IPs now. So, uh, you know. Like so they'll they're... never be able to get another movie out of a ride because <laughs> the rides are based on movies. Yeah. So the snake is eating its own tail. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean, the only one that, I mean, I guess we still have to wait for uh, Space Mountain to become a ride, and then we have to wait for uh, the, uh, whatever the one was called, the the mountain one. I can't remember what it's called. <laughs> the... Oh, so, well, you said Splash Mountain. I mean, not Splash Mountain, no. Splash Mountain is uh, like a, is a, is a, is a log flume ride. No, there's a roller coaster ride that goes down a mountain. And, and Splash Mountain is, uh, is Song of the South, so they're not going to make that one again. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's, very, it's Song of the South, but very, very much... Um, only the animals of it, not nothing to do with uh, Uncle Remus yeah. or anything that appears in it, uh, which is I don't know. Anyway, um, then uh, though I can't remember what the I can't remember the ride is called now. It's it's a but it's a, like a, the Matterhorn, the Matterhorn ride. So you go up it okay. and you you come down it in what it what looks like a bobsled is the base. The car is like a bobsled. You go down and you you go past like the Yeti and things like that and. And some mountain climbers like uh, having some difficulties, and you know, there's these little tableaus as you go down this, but it's essentially a roller coaster, and it's fun. It's a lot of fun. Um, Space Mountain is a little bit more kind of part of the dumbing down. Like I remember going on Space Mountain, 
um, I don't think we went on, I think it was built in between when we went the first time and when we went again when I was a kid. So when I was six or seven and then when I was 13 and Space Mountain, I mean, I enjoyed it because it was a fun roller coaster ride, but it just felt, that's all it was. It's no different than going to like Six Flags to me. It didn't feel like, it didn't feel as clever as all the other rides that were there, like the they were kind of jokey and silly and had some fun, like the Jungle Cruise or Haunted Mansion or whatever, like, you know, all those rides that were from, a, you know, the, all those rides were meant to be imitations of a, of what you would have gone to at a carnival to, for Walt Disney, right? Like, what well, he was trying to reproduce in a really, like, you know, in a this sort of really, like, um, imaginative and, and creative way, what it, what it would have been like to go to a carnival when he was a kid. You know, so you had your tunnel of love, and you had your 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 haunted house, and you had your uh, you know water ride and and things of like that, right? So they all they all had their own, they all they're all kind of based in that, but they're just like more like so. His idea was, you know, we'll make them, but we'll make them more than you would ever get if at an old carnival, you know, like because those like the tunnel of love, you know, is basically like a ride, and then you get scared, and so then the the, the two people hug each other and then that they come out and they're like hugging and you go, Oh, it's a tunnel of love. Hooray. <laughs> you know, but they took that and they made it into Pirates of the Caribbean, you know, so they had like this historical themed thing. So you're going back and you're, you're seeing these tableaus of a particular period of American history as well. Cause the other part of it, of course, is that he wanted them to be like related to, to Americana. And so, you know, like that's Louisiana. That's the history of New Orleans. New Orleans was a pirate city. It had Pirates went there. They attacked it. They they used it as a as a harbor. You know, they there's a long history of pir- piracy around New Orleans. So this is what this is about, and we're gonna kind of have a educational but also fun thing. That's a sort of amazing ride where even when you look at the ceiling, there's stars and clouds there. It's amazing, right? And then cool. the haunt the haunted mansion isn't just going to be like a scary place you walk through and people jump out at you. We're gonna like make this really innovative thing that's like a giant mirror that you'd go past in a car. And it's going to have fun things like an elevator that stretches out paintings and has ghosts that sit beside you and all these things that you wouldn't get in a in an old-fashioned haunted house, right? Which is basically just like jump scares. And so, you know, so that was kind of the the idea of it originally. So, I mean, there's elements of it that were just like totally cookie cutter, like Mr. Toad's Wild Ride or Peter Pan and stuff like that, or which are just like based on already existing properties they had and, and are really like cookie cutter, very simple plywood uh, kind of sets that you go, you ride through on, on a floor and, you know, come out the other side and you go, well, that's that brush. <laughs> we did that ride. But you know, the same, then you had a small world though, which is like sort of this amazingly crazy thing, you know, that you'd never want to get stuck on because the song would kill you <laughs> and, and, uh, or walk around, you know, and then they have like main street, which is like an old fashioned Americana. And then when you go to like the haunted mansion and stuff like that, you walk through like an old kind of New Orleans quarter, and they're all designed in this special way that, that like there's forced perspective and stuff like that. So the, the top floors are done in such a way that it makes the buildings look taller than they actually are. You know, and so they have all these like optical illusions to like create this sense of space and perspective and stuff that's really fascinating. And there's a whole like inter- like there's a whole lot of thought that went into it, you know. But I feel like all the newer things, it's less thought, it's more just kinda like, uh, put some stuff there. Good enough. Uh, although the girls really liked like the new car, like the cars ride at um, California Adventure, so I don't know. Okay. I can't, I don't want to speak to everything, you know. Like my uh, my I, I think 
as a person, I'm not really super fond of nostalgia, but I do think my 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 view of Disneyland is definitely colored by nostalgia. And part of that was my disappointment of taking the girls there, and because I wanted to show them the things that I loved as a kid, you know, and and then they're like they're like these sort of uh, what seemed to me like abominations of them because they're just like full of stuff that just didn't make any sense. Like why why are you adding? Jack Sparrow to this ride wasn't wasn't this ride the inspiration for the movie like shouldn't the ride just exist as itself or why is this mm-hmm. you know why are you imposing like these you know putting like second secondary holographic images of a, of a unrelated movie to the Haunted Mansion over the Haunted Mansion ride which is great on its own you know like this, this is ridiculous so yeah, it just felt it felt like um I don't know it just that was part of it that's part of what was upsetting to me so i all those all my experience of that stuff is very colored by that uh those feelings so i, I can't say that I'm, it, what, I'm, I'm unbiased what that feels like to me is you know whenever someone adapts a book mm-hmm. uh and they go, oh, oh you ruined the book it's like no you haven't ruined the book the book's over there it's fine <laughs> but it feels like it feels like you know if the the, the movie came out and it was so popular yeah you like dune dune comes out and it's so popular and so great you're like okay listen we're getting rid of all the copies of Dune, yeah, yeah. the original, incorporating funny lines that the character said in the movie into the into the book, and now that's the only copy of Dune you can buy. That'll yeah. be it. We're ditching ditching the rest, yeah, because people love yeah. that, and so that's what we're doing. And it's like, man, nah, that'd be uh, that'd be a sad thing. I don't think. Yeah, so. that'd be terrible. It, yeah, no. be like if you went got, got the new Lord of the Rings and they just cut out all the Tom Bombadil stuff because it's not in the movie, so. You're like oh yeah. Yeah, what what <laughs> why did you do that yeah no it's just it, that yeah, that's just, exactly just the movie stuff mm-hmm. yeah it's weird again I think we've gone over this before but like the amount of rides that became movies you know uh, Disney like Jungle Cruise Pirates mm-hmm. of the Caribbean Haunted mm-hmm. Mansion of yep. course Tower of Terror that was a that turned out to be a uh, the a TV movie Dinosaur okay. uh, from 2000 wow uh, was based on Countdown to Extinction okay. Uh, at the uh, Animal Kingdom, so I didn't know that. Mission to Mars, well, I didn't know that was uh, that was that. Country Bears, of course. <laughs> country Bears, yes. <laughs> yes, Country Bears, very very weird one. Tomorrowland, very okay. controversial. <laughs> I love Tomorrowland. Uh, uh, people's hated it, uh, but I've got a lot of rides into movies. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, uh, holy moly. Yeah, I guess only one of those films has been yeah. successful like enough the idea to change the ride. About yeah, low like taking taking low end fun like you know a tunnel of love and then just going let's let's goose it up let's take it to the next level yeah and uh, I wonder if you could do that again like if there's something that people like doing that Disney or you know could just go okay we're gonna do the high end version of that thing that you love yeah but I can't think of what that thing is that's why I'm not an Imagineer <laughs> that's right. We don't, uh, we're not Imagineers and we're not, well, Disney, who is someone who like had this crazy vision, you know, and he was willing to like, he was a pretty crazy guy. Cause he was like, we, we, you know, we know the story of Snow White. He put all his money, put all his chips on the table and, and took a big gamble. And if that movie had failed, he would have had to close down his studio. But the same with yeah, uh, Disneyland. Gonna do the first, yeah. I'm going to do the first, uh, full length pornographic cartoon of all time yeah and then as it got near the end they went like we can't do the sex scenes in time fine cut them. let's just put it out as it is and then it all worked out fine um it was... the dwarf orgy this the kiss that leads to something at the end yeah 
I mean, yeah. it looks it looks it looks like so obvious now, but when I'm sure when he was doing Disneyland, people were like, "What is he doing? Like, he's got a successful animation studio. Why is he like gambling all his money on this crazy, crazy idea of having like a amusement park? Like, why? <laughs> like, like there was really like well, doesn't how many national amusement parks were there when he did Disneyland? Well, just the idea to me of Snow White is just like okay. So this is going to be a, a full-length movie mm-hmm. that's animated, yeah. a fairy tale, yeah, for adults. Why? No. <laughs> what? Why would adults go to see a fairy tale yeah. thing? Why would they do that? Maybe they would. The novelty is enough, but it seems like that's a bold choice. That, like, you know, you're going to go to the movies where you're used to seeing, you know, adult things, mm-hmm. and we're going to watch something that's a fairy tale for a full length of time. Okay. And it's animated? Those are shorts. You want to watch that for what? Like like 90 minutes or whatever it is? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. That's so long. Huh? Okay, whatever you say. It's your funeral. I'm used <laughs> to seeing trees fiddle for five minutes. And I'm fine with that. That's it. I guess part of it was there already was like a tradition of doing doing adaptations of fairy tales in the cartoons of that time period. So that didn't seem crazy. And also it was free public domain material that was well known you know it's pretty it was you know you probably didn't have the money to buy like uh uh you know someone else's property and adapt that into something so we had had to find something that people everyone knew and so i guess he went i guess they went through the various fairy tales and decided that snow white was probably in the seven dwarfs provided the best cinematic opportunity i suppose that whatever they were looking for there pretty basic yeah. movie when you think about the movie it's really basic like there's not a lot to it, you know. Well, as it should be for your first time doing that kind of thing. <laughs> I guess so. You know, it, it, yeah. It feels like what you were saying about again the roller coaster or whatever. Yeah. Is like we're going to give you the deluxe version. It's like, well, what do we got? Well, we got like these shorts where we tell a fairy tale yeah. in five minutes. Yeah. Okay, here's what we're going to do: stretch that sucker out <laughs> to like seventy minutes. Like what? Going to have music. How are we going to do that? Have songs. We're yeah. gonna. We usually have one song. We're gonna have lots of songs. Lots of songs. Okay. It's your it's your funeral, Walt. Whatever you say. <laughs> I hope that Oswald the Lucky Rabbit sells well because you're gonna have to. Well, Walt Disney was kind of the Beatles of of his of his time period because you know he he didn't really like invent a lot of techniques or even like the people around him didn't invent a ton of tech tech like animation techniques, but they they incorporated other people's techniques so magnificently into what they did, you know, whether it was the rotoscoping or uh, filming and uh, using like glass layers to create a sense of depth. You know, those, those weren't like, those weren't new to Disney, but he incorporated them so, so boldly and so, and so well into, into movies like Snow Wade, into movies like Fantasia and stuff like that, where, you know, he just took these pioneering ideas and like made these, you know, really great popular films. Whereas people, the people who invented them couldn't seem to like take those ideas and transfer them into like a larger thing. Uh, I think was Chris Roberts mentioned a while ago, the Fleischer brothers, Gulliver's Travels, which he said he liked and it's an okay movie, but there's too much, there's too much rotoscoping in that film. And there's not, it's awkward. It's awkward and it, it, it feels very stiff. And, you know, so, so what should be fun, like the Lilliputians should be really fun, but instead it all feels very stiff and very, formal and not and not much fun you know in that movie and it, i think overall it just it just suffers from kind of a woodenness in quality that well disney didn't have partly because you know like 
you just didn't go and get a job animating Walt Disney. You you went there and you got like a course on on how to how to draw and how to be an animator, how to draw cartoons, how to stretch and make you know bounce and all those little factors that that make those cartoons so so good. Even though I'm not like the world's biggest Walt Disney fan, like I would much rather watch a, a Looney Tunes film. But there's no way you could like argue from aesthetics that that Walt Disney cartoons are are not like the the best animated cartoons. Like they're just fantastic fantastically done cartoons right even if they're feel too like middle brow and and very sort of middle of the road compared to like the more anarchic looney tunes or, or... they're the they're the mainstream because they created the stream yeah i guess that's they created it the, yeah and became yeah. the most basic version of but yeah yeah like uh, you were saying how they would train the animators you know, mm-hmm. something they do is like we're gonna do a movie about an elephant or we're gonna bring that elephant in you're all gonna draw the elephant and then we're gonna kill it and eat it <laughs> and we're gonna absorb its soul and it's like a lot of people would have that boldness I don't, he did not so they just draw the elephant and let it go and it's like nope we're eating the elephant it's, you know it's, you're gonna be part of the elephant yeah the, did uh do you think that <laughs> the original name of that movie deadbo what's that sorry deadbo <laughs> Oh, uh, next week we'll have our timing right, folks. Or as good as, as, good as it gets. Did, um, this, this is me maybe forgetting something. Sure. But, like, did Warner Brothers ever do full-length animation? Like, they were so good at the short animation. Mm-hmm. Did they ever give a shot to, to that market? I mean, in, in their in their heyday, no, they didn't. They're, they were strictly uh, designed for short for short film, like, to be part of the, the, the package of the movies of those days, you know, the cartoon part of the... You know, before or after yeah, the newsreel. Yeah, why? I wonder why they never decided to dip their toes into that water. I mean, they had the animation studio there. They had amazing animators. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, clearly the Disney films were uh, making dosh. You know, and winning major awards. You know, the, yeah. it's just strange they they never kind of went. Hey, you know. <laughs> well, we I think I think that yeah. I think the thing is is I think the expense of doing animated films was was probably the. You know, it was okay. It was okay to do make them as as long as you had like a market for them for shorts. But I don't think that what Warner Brothers would have had the stomach to to take the kind of gambles that Walt Disney took to make his animated films, you know, a reality. Or Fleisch, or the Fleischer Brothers. I mean, you know, when they make Oliver Shovels, that was a huge gamble. And when it failed, that was the end of the Fleischer Brothers as a as a as a working studio. You know, I I think. Unless it took them another failure, was there another one, a frog one, frog base one, froggy goes to town or me? Anyway, I, I'm not, I'm not really totally up frog, on the whole. Yeah, I think there was something like that. You're right. Um, what was the first? Uh, I'm going to ask you all, all these questions that uh, you don't know the answer. Okay. And I should be asking uh, people on another podcast. Yeah. Uh, about cartoons. Yeah. Um, what what was the first uh, Disney cartoon to say that used their mascot characters for full length, or did they do like? What was the first, or did that just like come around the 60s with something like a Mickey's, I'm just thinking Mickey's freaking Christmas Carol. But like, <laughs> yeah, that's even, that's later than that. It's it, it just strange to me that they didn't use these characters that people knew and loved and yeah. merchandised and just like, you know, we own these characters, they're animated. How about we make a full length animated film with these characters? Mm-hmm. No, mm-hmm. we're going to make it all up from scratch again. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it, it seems like such an obvious thing to do now and like almost the only thing people do now. Mm-hmm. So it's like, hey, people know Space Jam. Let's make another Space Jam for no reason, <laughs> except that people know it. Well, maybe that's part of it. I mean, maybe, maybe 
perhaps well Disney once again like the Beatles he didn't want to ha- you know you had your singles and then you had your albums and those were two different things they didn't they didn't they didn't they didn't yeah. uh, mix together you know so you you know characters like Goofy and 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 Mickey Mouse and Donald Duck worked really well in a short span you know like for a seven minute cartoon but the idea of like taking those that, those characters and that much energy and making it into an hour and a half film probably felt like too much of and they couldn't really you know and unlike you know, like the characters as they existed in the newspaper comic strips, for instance, you know, like Floyd Gottfredson mm-hmm. newspaper, Mickey Mouse, you know, those are like adventure comics, but they're very different characters than than in the movies or in the, sh- like the short film, like the short animated films, like they're different characters because you need characters who are more, you know, less silly and more and more capable to be, you know, to do what they do in the, in the, the same with like the, you know, Donald Duck in in uh, Carl Barks comics is much different than the Donald Duck of the, of the, the Disney movies, you know, and maybe they just didn't want to. Yeah. Until they did uh, the DuckTales TV show. Yeah, sure. And the, that's right. And they're basing those on the Carl Barks yeah. ones. Whereas, whereas I think to Disney, you know, like the comics were a completely separate thing from what Donald Duck was as a film character, you know, like as a animated character. Oh, where he... Yeah. What I'm, yeah. What, sorry. I was just going to say what I'm saying about Donald Duck is, what they would do on DuckTales, because Donald Duck really wasn't predominantly part of the the cartoon, yeah. uh, was when they cut to see what Uncle Donald is doing in the Navy or on the ship, he'd be in some slapstick. Oh, okay. Like that he would be in one of his traditional cartoons. Okay. But like when he's off doing his stuff, he's doing those slapstick cartoons that you see. Yeah. When he comes back to, with us, he's, you know, kind of a regular, uh, regular duck, and he's a much more of a straight lace guy in the uh in the in the comic as you're saying the car yeah. stuff he's yeah. just like when are we gonna get damn money that's right he's just yeah, yeah he's just part of the of uh scrooge's entourage of people uh, you know and kind of the put upon character right. but hey i've got a mortgage <laughs> like, does he? Okay. but uh yeah i mean and that, that's fine it works in that context but i don't think that i don't think that um the disney studios wanted to like bring bring those uh characteristics into the into those characters i think they kind of had their own sense of who they were you know and i'm sure that the animators who worked on them you know they had who you know created and loved those characters wouldn't wouldn't really wanted to change them anyway you know like they they had their own fun with goofy and their own fun with with donald duck and and so yeah i think i guess so i go on no please i was gonna say i i I look at something like say the rescuers Mm -hmm. and go you know if you had done adapted you know kind of the carl barks uncle scrooge you know, adventures. Yeah, yeah. You know, you could have action movie that you have with that, but with a very marketable character of Donald Duck <laughs> is also in it. Sure. So that seems to like push you ahead, and you and with very little extra work. Yeah. You know, there you go. You're you're off to the races. It's just strange that they never did that. To yeah. Me. No, it is odd. I mean, it's hard to to talk. It's hard to understand that time period of, of Disney anyway, because that was a very low point in, in Disney Studios existence. Like the animation studio was, was real, uh, was really almost uh, defunct when they're doing like the rescuers and, and sword in the stone and not certain. So black cauldron and stuff like that. It was uh, very much a kind of a yesterday's man at the studio. In fact, they got moved out of their, they got moved out of like the, the, like, the traditional like building where that where they had animated in for for you know fifty years or whatever and and they got moved out of that to make room for what was it like Bette Midler or something like that like I think they had hired they Hollywood Pictures had like hired some big star I can't remember who it was now for some I don't know why I'm thinking Bette Midler but I think someone like that 
and like they moved right. all, they moved all, like all the animation all the animators to some like like some small tiny building in the you know in the back of the lot and you know moved in like this big and turned the old animation department into like this fancy uh like dressing area and stuff for some for for big some big star and all the guys you know like but the, you know but at that point there was like you know 30 people working for Disney animation or something it's like so tiny it was it's ridiculous this is before Jeffrey Katzberg came and kind of re re right. revivified it all but uh if, yeah, was, and whatever you want to say with that guy he had like a vision let's let's put it that way mhm well for all of that I'm yapping here i mean they kind of did do it uh, in 1947, with okay. uh, Fun and Fancy Free, they kind of have to. Well, it's but Fun and Fancy Free is is a package film, so it's a it's a package of so there's melody there's melody time and there's Fun and Fancy Free. Now Fun and Fancy Free, I think, is the one with Jack and the Beanstalk, and and uh, Bongo Little Bear Bongo. Yeah, which no one remembers. Yeah, it's based on a Sinclair Lewis story, which is the weirdest thing to me. The guy who did like Main Street and uh, Dodsworth and. And stuff like that. It's very odd, but that, that's a very appealing film, though, because it has uh, Charlie McCarthy and Edgar Bergen in it, with um, Mortimer Snurd, and it's got uh, um, Jiminy Cricket as the as kind of a host in the and uh, and it's a, it's a lot of fun. But it's a package thing. Like the 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 the, the Jack and the Beanstalk story is is not like a full length film. It's like yeah. it's like twenty minutes or something like that, you know, interspersed with some other stuff, and then. And then uh, Melody Time is once again it's like got the Paul Bunyan story, Picos Bill, and uh, Johnny Appleseed, I think, in that one with mm-hmm. interspersed with some musical stuff. And then they also did the Three Amigos as well. And I think that does have Donald Duck in it, doesn't it? Yeah, the Three Amigos, and that 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 is like a full yeah, that is like a full length one. That's don't remember, yeah. That's probably like that's probably the the you know in in terms of what you're thinking, that's probably the closest you could come to like a feature film with Donald <laughs> with Donald Duck. But once again. You know, it's a package movie. It's like a series of different things and sort of a travelogue in a way. Mm-hmm. It's been a while since I watched that one. I should, should dig that out of the old, put the old video on. <laughs> we still have a lot of those I movies think, on video. These might be on Disney Plus, I would think. I'm sure they are. I'm I'd sure be surprised if they weren't. Yeah, I'm sure they're all available there. Yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah, just wonder. And, and there was also a weird thing with Goofy where, you know, they, they had him, of course, as George Geef. Yes. Um, and, and and I wonder, if, like, around that time, if, you know, Goofy wasn't that marketable. And they're like, well, let's go in a different direction with Goofy. Let's make him <laughs> realistic and we'll, we'll, play him, we'll play him this way. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. Just going to have a Goofy character. Oh, there, there you are. But, yeah, I just wonder, like, what their popularity level was, you know, uh, around that time. Mm. If they're like, oh, yeah, we recognize them, but we wouldn't go out to see them as, a, as like, a... A movie, movie, but yeah, hey, yeah, yeah, you're if if it's part of another thing and it's Charlie McCarthy and we're okay, all right, yeah, yeah, that's enough stuff that we'll go and we'll enjoy seeing a little bit of Mickey, but we would, but he would not bring us out to the movies to see, you know, a whole Mickey's uh, Jack and the Beanstalk story. Yeah, we would not yeah. go out with the family or whatever for mm-hmm, that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it feels like for a lot of those films that Disney Studios, which it was during the war, so. You know they were very involved in the war effort, producing a lot of, uh, you know, army-specific animation and stuff like that. So you know a lot of like don't get the clap with Mickey Mouse telling you and Donald Duck, you know, Donald Duck with gonorrhea. Um, so you know they 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 were kind of unfocused. Oh, so, so you cranky. what's that story? What you would be so cranky with with gonorrhea? <laughs> oh so my gosh! Very yes, yeah, that's right. Um, 
the cartoon gonorrhea in 60 seconds he uh he, <laughs> he though the studio itself i think was very unfocused at that time so that's why you get those kind of weird movies that you know they just didn't have like the they didn't have like the the focus to do like a a, a full movie you know Cause i think they were developing that bear one as a complete movie and then they kind of had to make it smaller like even like song of the south which is thematically a whole movie but it's but it's really just like three or four different stories from uncle remus stories right so it is like some of the more popular stories that everyone remembers the the briar patch and the tar baby and stuff like that and it makes them into the into little you know cartoons in between in between live action uh, singing and stuff so it's uh yeah it, I guess that's cheaper to do as well, to have incorporate <laughs> humans. You don't have to animate humans. You just have to pay them some money and have them sing for you. Ah, so cheap. I would like to see a film about a cartoon bird. Mm-hmm. And this cartoon bird worked in the film industry for years, yeah. but was really good at interacting with live people. And so this, you know, they've or just has been like in all these different movies yeah. where you've got to have cartoon bird with a with a live person and then they've done commercials they've done all this stuff and you know they're they're ready to retire or they're being kicked out of the business for yeah yeah sexier bird mm-hmm. yeah sure. i just want to see that and then they start tweeting and they start doing angry tweets and then they become popular again <laughs> and you how call about, it tweeting how about happy tweets it'd be like that kind of a dion warwick instead of a oh i like it instead of mean tweets and then we get dion warwick in it as well you can get <laughs> we could get dion warwick why not this, yeah There's, there's some, she'll, yeah, she'll, she'll she seems it. fun. She does seem fun. Yeah, she seems like she's having a good time. Yeah, I just she love seems it. Fun, and she seems like she's having a good time now. Yeah, it feels like in the you know, it's it, she's. It felt like she went through like a rejection period. Like she felt rejected, and was very, uh, I think, a little bitter. But I think she feels better now. Yeah, there's there's people like um, Carl Reiner who uh, think really embrace Twitter, and it was a way that you know. You know, because you know you you're you're this famous person, and mm-hmm. and then you know that goes away over time, and you know occasionally you'll see your fans, but it's on certain events. Yeah. But like this was a, a thing with Twitter, like you can just be home and you write a joke, and then all of a sudden you get like <laughs> six thousand people saying that's hilarious, and yeah. like, oh, that's pretty good from my living room. That feels good. That that's a nice pat on the back. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sure. So you know, for somebody who says celebrities like that, I'm sure uh, I'm sure that's a nice a nice kind of thing in the golden years. She just their fans she, being able to uh, respond. There's a new documentary about her. She was just at uh, TIFF this uh, fall for a documentary about herself. So that's that's good too. Oh, she's she's got a lot of uh, documentaries to be documenting about. She is an amazing amazing singer. Like such a great singer. Like. Nobody knows how how great she is, you know. Like, she's just she. There's nothing Do you that think she, she can does? sing. I'm sure she does. I'm sure she does. Good, good. Okay, that's good to know. I mean, I think it was a B-side, but the first the song that she first became known for was a song called "Don't Make Me Over," which is kind of a way of saying like, "Don't try to, you know, don't, you know, don't try to fool me," which she said to Burt Bacharach and Hal David because they kept telling her that they were going to write a song for her, and they never did. And every time they she'd be like singing back up at some session or whatever and they'd be like oh you're so good Dion we're gonna write a song for you and she finally you know got tired of hearing this she said don't make me over like you know quit quit trying to trick me or quit conning me and uh they're like oh that's a that's a great saying so they wrote a song for her called don't make me over and it's a great song a fabulous song and then later on like after she'd sung for many years for Burt Bacharach and Hell David for their songs um they had written a 
play called Promises, Promises, which I believe is based on Billy Wilder's film, The Apartment. The Apartment. And okay. there was a song in the movie called Promises, Promises, which was a very complicated song. And the cast were like, no one could sing this song. Like, this song is impossible to sing. They kept telling Burt Bacharach, and he's like, he's like, no, no, you can do it. Like, obviously you have to practice, but it's a, it's a singable song. And they're like, nope, no one could do it. So he just brought in Dion Warwick and had to record really quickly this song. And of course, she just does it effortlessly, this magnificent version of this very complicated song. And uh, he played it for the cast, and they're like, okay, I guess he can do it. So, so they had to they had to learn it. <laughs> they couldn't complain anymore. Yeah, she's just so, so fantastic. But I was just going to say one more thing about Walt Disney, because we were talking about, talking about the 50s and, and Goofy and becoming like George Geef and stuff like that. And I, and I kind of feel that there was a shift in like, how, what their cartoons were about in the fifties. And I think that just reflected like a cultural change, you know, like the characters do become a bit straighter and more kind of normal. And, and the stories become more about things like going on a picnic or, and the troubles they have or going out to the beach or whatever. And some incidents happen like, like they're not that they're ever like the most antic characters in the world, but there was stuff before, like, like a ghost chasers, I think it was called or whatever. The one where they go to the, Sure. You know the one I'm talking about, right? We we all had it oh, on yeah. our Fisher Price camera, <laughs> movie camera. We certainly did. Yeah. <laughs> but ones like that, which are they're they're more goofy and and more kind of not goofy, but you know, or more silly and 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 kind of different in in feeling than than the late the later ones, which are fantastically drawn. Like no lie, those are just beautifully drawn uh, shorts, the '50s ones. But they're just different in in tone, and they're they're more they're very much more kind of staid feeling, and more kind of reflect the 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 kind of cultural changes of the 50s you know the the attempt to create this idea of like this very buttoned down very very uh, you know family oriented but you know at the same time repressive and, and not very healthy very neurotic uh society you know and so i think you know the 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 disney which was always a very mainstream company of course just had to be part of that reflection as well you know, so you get a goof, yeah. you get a goofy. He's trying to quit smoking, and you know, and the stuff like that. You know, that are just reflections of that of the concerns of that time. You know. Yeah, you got to think about uh, Goofy having to control his road rage. Yeah, that's right. Like, he, 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 he becomes an everyman, right? He becomes like an exaggerated everyman. So, you know, those are yeah, just is, common is, experiences of that time period, right? Yeah, that's a really interesting thing. It's just like you've taken. This uh, lovable anarchy character, yeah, yeah, and you've mainstreamed the shit out of him. Like he's got a job sure. and he's got shit to do now. Yeah. And you know he gets sick, he could die. He's worried about his health and his well-being. Yeah, but, that's interesting. But the character, but the character survived. You know, the character survived as a character. Like unlike Bugs Bunny and Daffy Duck and characters like that, who who came back later, but for for a long time were you know didn't really exist anymore as animated characters um you know goofy and donald duck and mickey continued on you know their their characters changed you know but they but they were able to continue on and and i you know and it's it's funny like you know that like that one about road rage like the 50s that was the beginning of commuter culture there was no commuter culture before the 50s like there was no interstate freeways there was no there was there was no suburbs before that time right so that was all new that was all new to people so the, all those jokes and stuff like that were so topical like to us they feel like ugh old hat like oh yeah i know you live in the suburbs there were no suburbs before the 50s like no one lived in those sort of places you know so that was all new like this idea of driving to work and being in this crowd of traffic jam of cars all going to the city like that was very rare that people did that in the past like there was much the society in the 30s was much more rural 
in America, you know, and post-war was a huge change in American culture. And that's part of those, part of those cartoons, you know, and you can see the reflection, yeah, the, the change uh, of like, uh, idea of having better habits of quitting smoking and stuff like that are all, all part of that, that time period, you know? Yeah. It, 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 there, there's this bigger picture though, to me, that feels like an interesting road to go down of, uh, sucking the fun and the crazy out of characters. <laughs> like I was looking at I decided to look up um, when uh, uh, Daffy uh, became, you know, a sour ball. Yeah. And it was, yeah. it was, it was rabbit fire and it was 1951. Mm. And that was the first film where he wasn't this uh, crazy character. Yeah. That's the first yeah. time it was, Hey brother, let me tell you that. Oh, well, <laughs> it was like, he, he was just walking around and yeah. just like, look, I've got a plan here. Here's what's going to happen. And, and he deconstruct things. Yeah. Like he knew the rules of what these bugs doing. And he's just explaining it to the audience mm-hmm. and to Elmer. And just like, he's wearing a dress. He's, can't you see this? He's wearing a dress. I'm yeah. deconstructing everything. Mm-hmm. I'm just, I'm now, I'm sick of this whole structure. I'm not yeah. going to be your crazy duck anymore. I'm this bitter bitter version of Bugs Bunny who isn't as successful, sure. who's going to take it in the puss, you know, and and it's funny on its own level, and I love those cartoons, Yeah, but it's a radical departure from what Daffy Duck was, it is. and with, from his name. Sure, but but also it, it, an admission that t- humor had changed, right? Like, there wasn't, yeah. there wasn't, uh, the people weren't interested in, um, it had a very short life, but screwball comedy, you know, just did not last through the 40s, so... You know, the idea of continuing on in cartoons doing screwball comedy probably seemed just as untenable. And I, I don't, I've, I've never, I don't know the, like the history of, of Warner Brothers cartoons in terms of like earnings and things like that. So I have no idea like, you know, how they measured the success of those cartoons. Because as far as I know, they are just part of packages that they were sent out to the movie theaters, you know. And if you were a, a Warner Brothers movie theater, you got, you got that package with, you know, the movies you got. There were Warner Brothers films, you know, and so yeah. you'd, you'd show, you'd show... You know, every theater that was a Warner Brothers theater showed um, showed Warner Brothers cartoons, and that that went on until the mid '50s when when that when there was like antitrust lawsuits brought against the studios, and they had to like divest themselves of their studios or their or their mm-hmm. theater chains, and that was a big that was a big a uh, big wound, <laughs> that was a big a big a maiming maiming. It was like cut off their legs, to, you know. But uh, you know, so um, yeah, I just. I, I, I don't know. I mean, it could just be a change in the taste of the of the people creating them. Or, or I mean, I know that, you know, I like when did Tex Avery stop making cartoons? I, that's like I, I I've often wondered like if there was like some time period where he was like, I mean, he must have continued on because he did like widescreen droopies. I remember those being shown on television when I was a kid, and they just looked terrible, of course. But like he did, right. so he was doing like, you know, Cinerama or whatever uh, MGM's version of widescreen was. Uh, droopies so he must have been doing stuff into the 50s as well but you, you kind of feel like the his his uh sensibility was probably starting to uh to uh wear wear down you know like by the time the 50s came if he didn't want to change you know if he didn't want to like make the screwball characters into something that was more um more kind of sensible because i guess i guess i guess um bugs bunny must have changed as well in the 50s you know like yeah, a, well, that's funny. This is the thing. It's like I think this was a, a major turning point. Even though I love Rabbit Fire, it's one of my favorite cartoons. Yeah, it's great. Um, that the, that's such a first one of them not jumping around. Yeah, yeah, and going crazy. Them standing and just looking at each other and having a calm discussion <laughs> to the to the point where like later you you get the really Chuck Jonesy. Uh, 
uh, long eyelash Bugs Bunny, who was, <laughs> you know, very, quoting, like quoting Mark Twain, you know, just be like, just so proper. And then he'd just yeah. be sitting in his house in a, he's not living in a hole in the ground anymore. Now he's living in a house with a big chair and he's wearing, you know, a robe, like a the, the, the nice Hugh Hefner type robe. Yeah. And I'm like, what? Who's this guy? <laughs> yeah, so that's right. What, what happened sitting by the pool with his sunglasses on, discussing his, uh, his, his illustrious theater past. When he was one and of the boys then, of the chorus, but, you know. Yeah, uh, exactly. D- discussing the past, living in the past, deconstructing the past. Yeah. But Daffy D- Duck uh, didn't become crazy again until uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit. And that's when they brought back the old Daffy Duck. Mm. And people were like, hey, I like that guy. Yeah. And so uh, since that time, it's been back and forth with the old Daffy and the new Daffy. Yeah. The bitter Daffy and the crazy Daffy. Yeah. You, know, so you can pick one of those two. As for your tough, uh, Tex Avery thing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he, uh, he took a break in 1950 because uh, he overworked himself. He did like the house of tomorrow, car tomorrow, farmer tomorrow, TV of tomorrow. Okay. So, uh, just so much work. Ventriloquist yeah. cat. Yeah. Uh, King size canary. Oh my all God. These, all these things. Well, those, they, those and, are yeah, just took, like, yeah. King size canary. Yeah, is just a classic, a classic. Took, of, uh, uh, yeah. Real big, uh, real, real big break after that. Mm. Uh, I'm not sure when he got fired from MGM. But somewhere after that, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, then he uh, then he came back and did some more cartoons and uh, and and, oh, and then he uh, did some work on Chili Willy. Oh, why? Don't work on Chili Willy. <laughs> Don't do that. <laughs> and then he um, and the uh, Frito Bandito commercials. Okay, he did a bunch of that stuff. Sure, sure. And then uh, Quickie Koala later. Which is um, again too bad. <laughs> <laughs> well, you gotta make a living, I guess. Gotta make a living. Yeah, he was kind of a droopy character, but uh, he was very fast. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Still, <sighs> Tex Avery, genius. <laughs> well, yes. I mean, well, that uh, sim- symphony like and slang. Oh my gosh, that's so good. Yeah, yeah, but it feels like the fifties kicked the shit out of the uh, crazy. <laughs> it, well, it did like, for sure. Stuff. For sure, it did. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's not a lot of. I don't think there's a lot of great humor that came out at that time, like in terms of like mainstream humor. You know, there's a... 50s is tough. Yeah. Even like, I think that's like, I just look, look at get, get, and then we got into all the Hanna-Barbera stuff. And now all of the, uh, all the animals have to wear a necktie. Which is like everyone's, <laughs> well, it's really yeah. stiff. And I understand the reason is, yeah. so the head can move separately from mm, the body. I yeah. get the reason for it, yeah, yeah. but that they all now wear, like even, the gorilla has to wear a goddamn necktie. <laughs> says a little something about society as well. Well, it was a very formal time. Very button down. Yeah. The button down mind of the grape ape or Megilla gorilla or whoever we're going to call. Um, yeah, I guess that's just a different. Uh, I mean, what what was. I mean, I guess Billy Wilder, bring him up again. I guess his movies were pretty great in the 50s and they kind of. He had the, he had the power to kind of do his own thing, you know, but. Yeah, I mean, unless you're like a big Jerry Lewis fan, there's I don't know if there's really much much to point at as great in the in the fifties in terms of like in terms of like above ground humor. Like obviously, I uh, I guess in the late fifties, someone like Lenny Bruce would have you know I can I can see that 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 was good of its time. Mad Magazine, you know, but in terms of like above ground or mainstream humor, I feel like this is a kind of a it's a hard road to hoe. Unless you're like, oh, those Doris Day and Rock Hudson films. <laughs> Hilarious. This actually is not a bad question as a question of the week. Okay. You know, so it's a bit specific. <laughs> it's just like, you know, uh, 
something is there something from that era yeah uh, that you find very funny like from the like say 1950s we're now looking at this era this era yeah. kind of went you know it went from right. a crazy town yeah. to definitely uh patriot yeah. patriotic but even 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 so even in the patriotic cartoons where we're going uh buy bonds yeah you know it's still bananas it's still bananas bugs yeah yeah and the gremlin is crazy oh, oh it's, you know, it's madness is, yeah yeah, yeah. Daffy avoiding the draft is still nuts, you know. But but then the fifties come along and it seems like the I don't know. Fun but, gets sucked out. But isn't like Duck and Muck a fifties one? I feel like but Duck yeah, and Muck. Duck and Muck but, it would have to be, but Duck the and Rabbit Muck, of again, Seville. The Rabbit of Seville. Yeah. Oh well, the Rabbit of Seville. Sure, sure. That I mean, again, it's good, but it's you know they're 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 being fancy. They're very very fancy. <laughs> Bugs is still crazy in that one. That's 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 fair. Yeah. It's it's it it he has to be he has to be crazy because it's so uh art house, you know. Though it has a sad ending. The Rabbit of Seville does, I don't remember. Oh no, that's what's opera doc. What's opera doc? Well, what's opera doc is different, yeah. That's not one I've never really I remember like before I saw it, I remember I remember hearing like all this like hoo ha about it and a lot of people talking about how great it was and I found I, I don't really remember it playing very, I, at all, like when I was growing up on um on Frisky Frolics or Funorama, the local cartoon uh, anthology shows, but it would show up on the Bugs Bunny Road Runner. Okay, I finally saw it. Though, Saturday morning. I finally did see it, and I just thought, well, that was okay, but it wasn't like funny. Like, I, there are elements of it that were okay, but I just, you know, like I guess, I guess, um, I guess Chuck Jones was a big fan of Wagner, so he kind of lost a sense of humor in his attempt to, like, you know, convey how much he I like the music as you know as well as having the characters going through the Wagnerian stuff, but it just it was no it was no uh Rabbit of Seville, let's put it that way. Or or the one Bugs Bunny versus the conductor, whatever that one's called. Yeah. That's another great one yeah, of that. That was good. But maybe that's the mean Bugs Bunny. Is is that different than the forties Bugs Bunny? Well, I'm gonna throw this out there too. Okay. Is like Bugs Bunny was basically Groucho Marx mm-hmm. and starting in nineteen fifty, Groucho Marx was the you bet your life Groucho Marx. And not the uh, hunched over, you know, uh, going around yeah. ca- causing chaos, Groucho Marx. Yeah. He's the sitting back listening to the story and wisecracking, <laughs> yeah. and then rolling his eyes and looking at the audience, and then back to the person. Yeah, he's he's Groucho is calmed down <laughs> as well, and yeah. that's and that's who Bugs Bunny is. Bugs mm-hmm. Bunny is Groucho. Yeah, so it feels like you know he's he's uh, adapted to the Groucho style as well. Well, once again, I think just. I think it's an acknowledgement of a change of taste at the time. You know, people, people who came back from fighting in the war, or people who had gone through all the, the, the struggles of of wartime, living through the wartime economies and stuff. I think the fifties was just a time of like, oh my God, let's just calm down, and just, let's just like live a like quiet, careful life. You know, let's let's just yeah, it can know, all be taken away. And you know, of course we're going to drink like crazy through it all because we just, we actually are just going crazy inside ourselves, but let's not show people that we're going crazy inside ourselves. Let's, yeah. let's keep that all, you know, just talk, tell, you, just tell that stuff to your psych, psych, your psychiatrist, but don't, don't, do you think don't it, broadcast uh, it. Yeah. Do you think it also had to do with uh, TV kind of coming into play because TV, you have to do comedy where you're standing around and talking and you can't do the same things you could do in a movie. Where you're following people with a camera and you're seeing huge things mm-hmm. and big stuffs occurring, things mm-hmm. going crazy. It's TV. Also, by the way, you're in a person's house, so you got to watch your p's and q's. <laughs> you got to be a lot more polite. Yeah, than it would be in a movie. So everyone's 
standing around and you've got now the sitcom yeah you know i suppose you know uh and yeah that 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 you know tightens tightens everything up as well and that becomes what uh what comedy is it's standing and yapping more than uh you know, almost, almost, almost like radio play. Yeah. Because you don't know how to use TV yet. Well, any any new format comes out, no one knows how to use it at first. <laughs> yeah. So maybe that has something to do with it. It could be. Maybe everyone was like wishing they could be like Robert Clampett and starting their own show, like Beanie and Cecil. They're all like, oh, mm. wish I could be, wish I could follow Bob out of this well, hellhole and <laughs> have a successful kid show. Yeah. What What was uh, the Ernie Kovacs era? Like when was he? Yeah, that would have been fifties. Yeah. Yeah, that seems like a guy who's trying to do some anarchy. That's For sure. a guy who's trying to to push the limits and see what you can play with here. Yeah, and and fool around with and do video tricks and dress up as apes <laughs> and play some music be, and you know put on some crazy glasses. They call like the Nairobi, tree. the Nairobi Four or whatever they were. Yeah, yeah. the Nairobi Trio. Yeah. The Nairobi Trio. Yeah, yeah the so. fourth. Yeah. <laughs> They needed the fourth ape over at Disney to do a movie, and then they <laughs> killed the ape and ate him afterwards to absorb his strength. As, as usual, yeah, yeah, yeah. As usual, they would always do that. That was just a t- Disney thing. You're going to be eating a lot of rare animals. <laughs> the, the crocodile during Peter Pan. Yeah. Oh, they ate so many lemmings. Oh, so many lemmings. It was really cool. right. The um um. Oh, I was going to say something, and I can't remember what it was. It doesn't matter. It does not matter. Okay. Really not well, let me th- let me ask you something. You sent me uh, some uh, some some clips. I sent you some songs. Uh, yeah, I sent you some yeah. songs. Yeah, and uh, and why? What what's up with that, Dave? What's going on? <laughs> well, I thought I I w- you're not doing uh, Dork Shadows this week. I'm not doing Dork Shadows this week. Host. Yeah, and and you know I'm not doing Listening Party anymore. So I, I lost I lost my outlet for music. <laughs> so I thought it'd be fun to revive the top five. Revive the top five. Okay. I'm, a, I'm a poet, and I knew it. Um, so this is yeah. the segment that you had on on Listening Party. No, this was a segment we used to do on Sinky Dragon a long time ago. What? When did we do this? I can't remember. You can't remember? We used to play songs? I no? To, yeah, I used to bring in songs, and we, we'd get the listeners to send in like to- song like a topic. Oh, okay, yes. And this, then, is now, this is now... And I'd create like a little short oh. playlist around it, so... So I'm I'm kicking it off this this time. If people want to send in some ideas, that's fine. I, I'd love to hear uh, sneakers okay, okay. suggestions for a possible theme uh, for me to to uh, attempt. But for the next little while, I'm gonna I'm gonna do some of my own. Uh, so I thought I'd start start off this time with uh, top five lady songs. So these are songs with with now lady. You're not going with the most pop. No, this will not have lady in lady red. Songs. This will not have lady in red. You're going one. Or Lady Madonna, that would be a that would be one. Lady that Madonna would be very we good. Have talked about before. Sure, I love Lady Madonna. I think it's a great song, and I love. Um... Oh, are you still there, Ian? Yeah. Oh, sorry. It sounded like you cut you still out. Still hear me? Uh, yes, like I just sounded like you cut no, out for I'm a second here. there. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, Lady Madonna is a great song, and uh, Lady Marmalade that'd be fun to play, or Lady Marmalade, as they say in the song, uh, or or my personal one of my personal favorite lady songs of all time, uh, "Sad Eyed Lady of the Lowlands" by Bob Dylan. From Blonde on Blonde, his sidelong song. Uh, those would all be great. Could I, by the way, say yeah. a, let me just say a song that I've never understood. Sure. The lady is a tramp. The, la- the lady is a tramp. Is yeah? Is this a pro? Like, are we slamming this lady, or is she good? You know, <laughs> I don't know. I've, like, I, I don't I've know that understand. song. I. Well, uh, she I'm gets too hungry big... for dinner. She likes a, a movie, but never comes late. 
She never bothers with people she hates. That's why the lady is a tramp. Why? What does that have to do with anything? You don't like going late to the movie. I don't call you a tramp. <laughs> what's, 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 what's the deal? She doesn't bother with people she hates. I think... That's good. That's positive. I feel like it's not tramp in the way we think about it nowadays as, as someone who's slutty or something like that. I don't think that's that's what, what the song song is. <laughs> yeah, maybe. I don't understand the song. Yeah, I don't I don't I don't know the song. I'll put it that way. I'm not a am I'm I, not a Frank Sinatra oh, guy, so Yeah, am I well the, you know, the original version was some uh someone else. Oh, as is? as they should, should be, yeah. Okay. But oh, that's okay. Uh yeah, I'm very curious. Oh, is it like Peggy this. Lee or someone? Peggy Lee sang it or something like that? I uh, okay, I gotta see what it is. Okay, I gotta. I, okay. You look it up. You're yeah. you're answering your I own gotta, questions because I, I don't know this song. I am going to look it up. Well, you. I mean, if I if you if you heard it, you wouldn't go. What the hell is that? No, no, I know the song. I just I don't know the history of the song, or I don't even know the lyrics for it, which is not 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 unusual well, for me. Apparently, mm-hmm. it's from a musical. It's a Rogers and Hart musical, Babes uh, in Arms. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And oh. uh, and then early recordings uh, include one by Tommy Dorsey and his orchestra. Wasn't uh, Babes in Arms Peter... like the Judy Garland at Mickey Rooney uh, movie? Like the kids who uh, are isn't it like one of those kind of let's put on a musical thing because they're like their parents. It's like that a, is absolutely correct. It's like an artist colony, and like and the kids, are, the parents are all like musicians yeah. and stuff, and the kids put on a show. Huh? Yeah. I I don't. But and, uh, I, so is it Lena Judy... Horn? Uh, it, Sorry, Lena Horn did a very famous version of it. Okay. That's what I was thinking about. Okay, Lena Horn. And uh, is it Judy Garland who sings it in the movie? Oh, I wonder. Hmm. I've seen the movie, but I don't remember. I don't remember all the details. I'm sorry. It is a very good movie, and it's kind of fun of its time. Huh. It's not. It's not quite as corny as people make out with the whole. I've got some wood. We can build a stage. Like it's not quite as that bad, but uh, it it's it's quite fun, and it has this one actress in the film who can do this incredible physical stunt of like curving her body in such a way that she can fall forwards or backwards and like pop up again it's really it's an amazing trick of uh of gymnastics wow. yeah yeah it's one of those freaky talents you know people are like we got to put this in a movie yeah no those are good films um i think judy garland mickey rooney and another actress who uh, she was a camera now she was kind of a rival to judy garland at the studio kind of more traditional in her song stylings and i and i have a name in my head and i i, I know it's wrong and I, so i'm not going to say it because I can't think of the actual name of this, this singer, but she was uh, pretty well known in, in her day. Okay. But not as iconic as, as Judy. Okay, here's what the song is about. Oh, okay. It's pro it's pro the tramp. That's what it's about. <laughs> it's okay. So pro the tramp. Pro pro the hobo yes, or pro because, because the song is a spoof of New York High Society and all of its strict, stupid etiquette. Okay. All the stuff like, oh, you can't yeah, you, you got to have dinner at eight, but you know she's too hungry for that. Yeah, she's not going to hang around with phonies. She's she's not going to show up late to things for you know to make an appearance. Oh, I see, and that's why she's not high society. Yeah, she's a tramp. I gotcha. Okay, it's gotcha. pro. It's pro the tramp. Yeah. Okay. I now I know what I'm happy. Okay. <laughs> I can get on with my life. You can get on with your life. <laughs> go go hobo. Now I got to watch babes in arms. Yeah, <laughs> you got to watch babes in arms. Yeah. That's my funny, yeah, also has my funny Valentine in it and a couple other songs. That yeah. It's very popular. Yeah, it's a good movie. It really is good. I remember I watched it one night. I was wrapping presents. It was like, it was on a Christmas. I don't know why. And I just, I was up late as my as, as is my way, wrapping presents quite late at night. And I was watching Babes in Arms and I uh, thought it was great. And I've watched quite a few of those Mickey, cool. um, 
Mickey Rooney, Judy Garland films are all very good. They're all very good because they're they're two people who are like so stupidly talented that you can't believe what you're seeing when they when they perform. You know, like what you can say what you want about Mickey Rooney, and of course we only know him as like this kind of old wastrel. You know, so many kind of lived lived a life. Let's put it that way. But uh, when you see when he's young and yeah. just full of full of energy and just loving life, it's amazing. All right, so let, let's let's start our top five. So, like I said, this is top five lady songs. So, my uh, my thing was uh, I mentioned lady in the title, and for whatever reason, I seem to have hovered around this 1960s for the most part. So, um, huh? I don't know if this this where what I was feeling when I was picking these songs, uh, but these are the songs. So, I I heard these songs over the course of a last little while and I just kind of picked up on this theme of lady so I was like oh let's put throw these songs into a mix so we're going to start off uh, with one of my favorite musical genres which is always very popular with everyone everyone loves this genre bubblegum bubblegum music uh, beloved of of tween age girls of the 1960s and uh, like any like any um, popular musical trend there's like the you know three or four bands that we still know about, and then a gajillion bands that formed and attempted to cash in on this this trend in it in the, at the time, and this is one of those bands you know probably just a studio project. The band was called the Popcorn Rebellion. Uh, so given that kind of cute name, you know, relating to like snack food, so you know of interest to teen you know to teenagers, and the song is called Sugar Lady. And it came out in 1969, and it starts off with a crazy drum solo. So let's give a listen (laughs) to the Popcorn Rebellion. Here we go. on a listening party all right we're back and uh and there you go so that was the kind drum, of the drum, 
were pretty wild. Yeah, it was, a wild, really like. it was a wild start. It was like a crazy start, and you're like, oh, this song, where's it going? Oh, it's just going into normal normal bubblegum sounds after that. Yeah, okay. Like, yeah. it's, it surprised me that that has not been used for a commercial. That like song, yeah. Kind of chocolate bar. Sure, yeah. What's that? Uh, yeah, that's that's true. Yeah, it would be a good song for that. And it is, it's strange, but it is, you know, it's just, uh, just one more obscurity from that time period. Like, it came on in a pretty big label. It came on an RCA Victor as a 45, but I don't think it went anywhere. It was just at a time when, like, you know, like, any people who could, like, put together songs that sounded like that and could throw some session musicians into a studio and record record these songs, like, they, they would get a someone would put out the, the, the single because you just didn't know who was going to, who was going to cash in, who's going to make, who's going to score next. Right. Nobody knows. Now was, was this uh, before uh, sugar, sugar? No, probably about the same time period. And so it's, okay, you know, it's like, a good time to be, to be sweet. Yeah. Good like uh, sugar time. Yeah. Like sugar, sugar was a, was a, a California bubblegum song. A lot of the bubblegum was from New York city. Like all the, all the super K production stuff, like um, Ohio express, and the 1910 Fruit Gum Company and bands like that, those were all kind yeah. of New York-based, you know, bands that existed to a degree, mostly as like touring groups, but were mostly just like studio projects that they would just bring in session musicians. And they would just play those very simple, uh, you know, song structures so that the, the singers could, could sing about candy over top of it. You know, lascivious candy, of course, but... Um, Candy, nonetheless, and then then the, those songs just like sold like crazy, sold like crazy. Okay. You know, because when you think about like like the first season of Scooby Doo, like every every episode had like a bubblegum style song in it, you know, and that was just of the time. And like there was like an animated show called The Hardy Boys of that time period, and there was a Hardy Boys band that played bubblegum style music. I would say Josie and the Pussycats played a kind of a bubblegum music, not quite true bubblegum, because they had a, a black singer who sang for the for the Josie and the Pussycats, so it kind of changed the dynamic a little bit of what they were doing. But um, yeah, it's a it's a I, I I really like that music, but of course you know it came out at a formative musical time for me, so I will never not like yeah, it. You did a, yeah, you did a whole episode about these uh, bubblegum songs on. Uh... On listening party, right? I don't think we did a whole episode about them, but they definitely okay. they definitely played a a part in in, in the uh, show. Because all right, I would always, I, yeah. Anyway, okay. So song number two is um, mm-hmm. this is from 1971. So it's kind of going a little bit above the 60s. It's from a, a singer songwriter who never made it. She never made it big in her day, but has kind of garnered a cult following in in the latter years her name's judy sill and she had a very tragic life but was lucky enough to be able to record two albums for um asylum records i guess for david geffen and uh unfortunately david geffen was one of those kind of people who loved you and then he left you and so you know like mm. Lori nero another singer songwriter who was a really great talent from that time period experienced the same thing you know david geffen took her under his wing and promoted her and helped her along. And then one day just kind of just gave her the cold shoulder. And that was the end uh, end for her in terms of their relationship. And he kind of did the same thing to Judy Sill. And some people have said that Judy Sill insulted him on stage, but I don't know where in the process of their relationship that happened. I think she felt kind of abandoned by him and sort of forced into an unfortunate situation where she was a singer songwriter woman who played piano and acoustic guitar opening for a, a heavy rock band. So that's not a that's okay. not a fun place to be. But her first album uh, came out in 1971. It was 
uh, produced for the most part by Jim, this guy named Jim Pons, who was the bass player, the uh, latter bass, latter, latter times bass player for the Turtles. And I guess he met Judy Sill around LA and fell in love with her songwriting and promoted her. I think she was signed to the Turtles song, like publishing company for a while. And they, their very final single was this song, Lady O. But I'm going to play the Judy Sill version because I love her singing so much. So this is Lady O from uh, Judy Sill's self-titled album, which came out in 1971. So let's give it a listen, everyone. All right. Sit and seek a crescent moon is laying at your feet With hope that's made of sand You don't think you can, but you will held it all in your hand Lady O I've been trying hard to keep from meeting you But from the start Rolling flow. I've seen where it goes and still somehow my love for you grows. So on my heels, again and that was judy sill singing in her very strange uh voice she has almost like she almost sings like she has a drawl <laughs> i don't know it's just kind of 
all her songs mm-hmm. have that kind of strange enunciation to them, but I really do like her singing. Um, the very beautiful. Yeah, one one thing about like every song, every song that you've uh, sent me. Yeah. Uh, very strong openings. Yes. Very strong openings. Okay. Yeah. I guess you know, you're selling a song to somebody. You you know grab them early, mm-hmm. hold them mm-hmm. hold them tight. But then a lot of times, many of these songs then kind of change tone. <laughs> you know uh, through the song. But, yeah. Yeah, this one very strong. Yes, she's a lovely singer, a very uh, just beautiful voice, and I, I love I love all both her albums are magnificent. And this album had one kind of successful single on it called "Jesus Was a Crossmaker," that wasn't produced by Jim Pons, was but was produced by Graham Nash uh, from Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young, or the Hollies before that. And uh, I guess they brought him in as the name producer, you know, and so get some attention to her. But that song did okay, but she was just she was too she was herself she was like too wild a person to to you couldn't settle her down because she was just like a nut um but her songs were also very idiosyncratic they had like a lot of religious metaphor religious overtones not that she was like a christian or anything she was more like a, a rosicrucian or something like that like kind of a weird mystic kind of person that you know to talk about like jesus or god and stuff but in a weird kind of in a very mystical way that was kind of slightly slightly not on the same path as you know like as uh, you'd find in like mainstream church or even like the evangelical churches of that time period, like the kind of hippie stuff that was happening in those days. She was her own person, but uh, wonderful nonetheless. Um, all right. So song number three, or did you want to see me? No, no. Okay. Oh, By the way, uh, I, I'm, I'm sort of taking over Mary's job here. So <laughs> is there anything Mary would say at this point? Is there anything Mary would say? Oh yeah. You yeah, could, you could say if you, if you could, Oh, I could ask you if you liked it or not. That was always Mary's. I, okay. I always liked all right, her. All right. So did you like that song? Yeah, yeah, I did. Okay, yeah. good. I'm glad. I'm glad. Um, all right. All right. So the next What's song. What's next, Dad? The next song is, this is Nancy Pretty, P-R-I-D-D-Y, uh, who did an album in 1968 called You've Come This Way Before. And it's kind of, um, she she is actually, it's 68. So she's kind of like ahead of the curve in terms of like singer-songwriter. She wrote, I think she wrote all the, she co-wrote all the songs on the album, like she co-wrote this song with a guy named John Simon, who was a, a well-known producer around New York. He produced a lot of the, the band's early albums, and he was a songwriter. wrote uh, did, did some albums himself. Um, he was a kind of a feature of the listening party for whatever reason. He seemed to keep popping up for in uh, during at different times. So he's just one of those guys who had like you know this sort of very musical person with a lot of fingers and a lot of different uh, pies and. Uh, you know, he worked with Simon and Garfunkel. He worked with the band. Had a solo career, and he was a songwriter. And so he wrote this song with Nancy Pretty, who was an actress and a singer-songwriter. She was on like episodes of Bewitched and other sitcoms of that time period. And she's the mother of uh, Christina Applegate. So, oh, okay. So this is a song written by her and John Simon called "Mystic Lady," uh, that came on on her album in 1968. So. Let's give it a listen, everyone. Don't go 
and we're back again. And speaking of songs that kind of go off in their own directions, that would definitely fit this yeah. fit this song. This song is well, it's six minutes over six minutes long, and uh, so that's why it's kind of the centerpiece of of this. And it's um, uh, I think it's really interesting, like a really fun song. Obviously, like kind of a song suite, I guess, since it kind of keeps going. But I love the way that it incorporates like nursery rhymes in the background, like the ladybird mm-hmm. stuff and. Uh, and I just, I really, I think she's a really good singer and uh, it's a, it's a pretty good album. It's not like a perfect album, but it's, uh, this song is very good, I think. And uh, yeah, I really, yeah, I like it a lot. It felt like halfway, halfway through. Yeah. It's, it felt like a, a Sid and Marty Croft show was started. <laughs> I, I like that. I mean, it's probably a little bit before their yeah. time, but maybe, maybe it was part of that influence of that time period. Yeah. You know, like. I this... feel like a couple of kids are going to fall in a hole. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a world where everyone is like yeah. uh you know rainbows yeah. or something yeah yeah i just i just love it i don't, I, I mean i like i just like how it goes off in its own kind of thing and it's a lot of fun yeah it's fun yeah it's definitely fun yeah these are all fun songs i think they're all enjoy well maybe not all but fun. maybe i'm speaking too soon but uh, <laughs> for the most part they're fun <laughs> all right so yeah um i don't she did she kind of fate like her career kind of i don't know it didn't really like take off unfortunately for her but uh I guess she was able to dedicate herself to her, to her daughter's career later. So um, now song number four, this is number four of our top five in no particular order. Uh, although I think the fifth song is, is, is the best song, but that's just my personal opinion. This is a, <laughs> this is a band called the grassroots. And speaking of manufactured bands, this is, this is what the grassroots were. They started off as a, as a project for a couple of LA based songwriters, a guy named Steve Barry B-A-R-R-I, and another guy named P.F. Sloan. Uh, P.F. Sloan, probably best known for Eve of Destruction, the song sung by Mary, Barry McGuire. But they were a couple, like, long-time mu- musical, um, musical, um, what would you call them, hucksters uh, uh, in the L.A. area. Like, they, you know, they were, like, they did surfing tunes in the, in the surf era, and then they moved into doing, like, folk rock in the folk rock era. And that was kind of the thing, right? Like, you know, whatever was selling was, was selling. And so they created their own group that was them that called the Grassroots, and they, they wrote a couple of songs and they put them out, and they were big hits. And so then they needed a band that could tour as the Grassroots, so they hired these guys, and they made them the grassroots and then what happened was the grassroots became an actual band like they started writing their own songs and and even though barry and sloan continued on with them for a while basically the group kind of became its own thing and and moved on from them and continued on as the grassroots and this song is called lady pleasure uh and it was actually written by carol king uh and her uh lyricist partner this time tony stern she and jerry goffin by this point had gotten divorced so she had uh, found a new person to write lyrics for her and um, yeah, I think this is a this is a pretty fun song. So let's listen to "Lady Pleasure" from the Grassroots. This is from their. It was not released at the time, actually, but it was on uh, 68 uh, Best of called "Golden Grass." So um, here we go. This is "Lady Pleasure." I could tell by the way she smiled. She intended.
It's amazing what you can find If you're looking for peace of mind She took me outside and showed me the dawn And what did you think of this song? This is a song that you thought was sad no, or like oh. I like this. I like this one as well. Okay. You told me five is the best, though. So, like, I mean, come <laughs> you're on. really, you're uh, really waiting. I don't want to. I don't, wanna, <laughs> you know, uh, pump this up too much. And I'm like, oh, this is the best it could be. And, uh, <laughs> and, yeah. No, I did enjoy this one. Yeah. I do like that someone like Carol King, who of course was like started off as a a writer in the kind of famous Brill Building era, actually did write in the Brill Building, wrote wrote for Aldor Al- music that was. Um, part Don Kirshner. I don't know who the L was of it, but uh, Don Kirshner, of course, who's famous for his uh, being the uh, original musical director of the Monkees before they rebelled against him. But um, I just like that, you know, even though she was like writing like songs like The Locomotion and Will You Love Me Tomorrow and stuff like that in the the early 60s was still selling songs in the, you know, the late 60s. I mean, the Monkees did uh, The Porpoise Song, which is a song by her, I think by her and Jerry Goffin, in uh, for the head soundtrack and uh and oh, okay i was gonna like i don't remember that song but that makes sense mm, it's a really good song it's a really good song i remember finding it so heartbreaking because i i got i got them this kind of best of the monkeys cd when i for christmas and it had that song on it and it was the christmas that my dog died that my dog scamp who you know i'd been my close personal companion for 14 years and he died and that for some reason the porpoise song uh which just feels like a, a very elegiac song. It just really like spoke to me through that through that experience and really like helped me through through uh, you know the grief of of my dog dying. So I really have a like super like fond feelings for that song. But um, but yeah. So By the way, that was a, that, your dog was a great dog. Oh, thanks. He was yeah, he was fantastic. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I just I just like that she just kept on selling songs. You know, until she started like her solo career. Um, cause she's, well, she actually started a band called the city and they put her in an album, which is a really good album. And then I guess she decided to not be like a band, but even though all the guys in the band played as her band on her, 
like on Tapestry and other albums like that. They just weren't like the city anymore. She just wanted to be but her own name. But yeah, anyway. All right, so song number five. Song number five. This is, uh, this is The Birds, and the song is called Lady Friend. And this song is written by David Crosby, a person I have a strong love-hate relationship with. I love his music. I love his singing. But I have a hard time with him as a human being because I think he was a jerk. But, um, but you know, sometimes jerks do great things. So uh, he, uh, he did this song. And he was a jerk through doing this song as well. Like, I, you know, I kind of understand, like, he thought this song was like a surefire hit and that this was going to restore the birds back to their, like, their top 10 status. And so, like, you know, he, like, worked super hard on the song. And uh, he, like, you know, he erased the, he erased the harmonies that uh, Roger McGuinn and, and, um, and uh, oh, his, his name's gone out of my head, the bass player in the group. I don't know. I'm sorry. I don't know. Yeah, I can't remember his name. Uh, it'll come to me later on today. I'll be walking along. I'll be go, uh, so-and-so. Um, damn it. I'm just still trying to think of it. Anyway, the bass, the bass player in the group, Chris, Chris. Chris something. Anyway, um, he uh, he erased their har- their harmonies and replaced them with his own vo- with his own harmonies, uh, and you know just kept stacking the vocals on it and just made this really like big song. It was produced by uh, the the new producer who started working with him, this guy named Gary Usher, another guy who came out of the surf era, did a lot of surfing related stuff in, in L.A. But anyway, um, and wrote wrote with the Beach Boys, wrote with Brian Wilson, wrote in my room and stuff. But anyway, um, he. Uh, he produced it and and uh, it came out and David, like I say, David Crosby had great hopes for this song and it was like it it crept into the top 100. It got, I think it got to 82, so it wasn't like it was not a success. It wasn't wasn't didn't restore the the birds to their to their um, former glories and pretty pretty much precipitated him uh, being forced out of the group along with a song he wrote called Triad, which was about like uh, having a threesome with another woman. And which they're kind of like, okay, you, about, you can't uh, put that okay. song, you can't put that song on a record. <laughs> He's like, no, we can, we can put it on, man. They're like, nope, you're out of the band, by the way, man. So, but anyway, let's think of happier times and let's listen to Lady Friend. This song is to me a fantastic song and completely incomprehensible to me why it was not a bigger hit than it was, but it wasn't, and that's the way it goes. This is from 1967, a single only song that came out on Columbia. Records, this is Lady Friend by the Birds. Let's listen. Can't even talk. How can I sing? Here it comes and I'm so far 
she's going to say goodbye. She's going to And what do you think of that song? Like, fantastic, right? Yeah, that was really great. Yeah. All the hype uh, led up to a, a, a good song. <laughs> yes. Didn't let me down. <laughs> well, I'm glad. Done. I'm glad. Because it's just, oh, man. Like, I, the first time I heard the song, which I never heard this song um, until I bought the Bird's Box set um, sometime back in the early 90s. And, uh, yeah, just that song came on. I was just like, okay, well, that, that was worth the $90 or whatever I paid for this thing. Because that was great. Anyway, great song, Lady Friend. I made I made notes earlier, okay. and then uh, I can't read them. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's kind of like Mary too. Yeah, she would have some. She'd have like yeah. some notes, and then she'd be like, "Oh, forget it." I yeah, can't know. even talk. Flowers, yeah, yeah, yeah. Looks <laughs> like I wrote flower care in Spain. I don't know what I'm doing. Okay. <laughs> So I guess that's all I got to say about that one is flower care in Spain. And I also really like it. No, I'm glad. Well, I'm glad you enjoyed it. Okay. And as usual, I'd, I had to throw in this bonus because I just bought this um, box what? set. I just... Wait, wait. How much extra is this going to cost us, Dave? <laughs> so, how much, how much absolutely free. No cost at all. No charge pay. at all. Well, no. you're, saying, you're telling me yep. that if they act now, they yep. can listen yes. to this extra song. Yes. Oh, you, okay. Wait a second. Yeah. So, are they paying for shipping and handling? There's no shipping and handling. There's no shipping and handling. Wait, we're eating the cost of shipping and handling. Uh-huh. Listen. Okay. Can, can you afford can you afford $5 a day for a cup of coffee? Many people uh, can because they go to Starbucks, so I assume that they can, <laughs> that's what they I assume that's what oh, they, okay. they can yeah, afford. I, if you can afford $5 a day for a cup of coffee, you can afford absolutely free for this song. This bonus song. No charge to you. And this is in the Columbia Records kind of thing. We're not going to come back at you. I know, I with more expensive versions. Yeah, it's a penny a song, and then I have to pay later. <laughs> yeah, no, no, we're not going to come back at you yeah. with like, you know, with a contract for you to buy ten more records at an inflated cost. Nope, this song is free, no strings attached, no strings attached, and I just put it on because, as I say, I just, I just recently purchased a box set of the Beach Boys called Feel Flows, and it is a collection of. Uh, it's a it's a delving into the period of the Beach Boys in the early '70s when they did the the album Sunflower, which is a fabulous record, and Surf's Up, which is a slightly less fabulous record, but still has some good songs on it. And it has this is full of like bonus tracks, rehearsal stuff, acapella things, instrumental tracks only, a bunch of stuff that was you know a bunch of tracks that were left off of records like the because originally when they when they uh submitted sunflower to warner brothers to get it released warner brothers were like nope this is no good do it again please so they had to take some songs off and re- and redo it and uh, change some of the songs and and uh make it make a better record and the record was better for it by the way but um anyway on this on this box set is a version of dennis wilson's solo song 
from 1970, which was called Lady, uh, bracket, falling in love, end bracket, as Mary liked to say. And and I just think the song is fabulous. And this is this is a, a restored uh, version with the 1970 original stereo mix of the song. And the reason I like it is that it's a crazy mix. It's like so much of, there's so much like dropping out of like, of instrumental parts in this mix. I don't understand exactly what the thought was behind it, but I, I enjoy the kookiness of it. So let's give a listen to uh, Dennis Wilson, who's a wonderful singer. This had a great voice and uh, and this this version of Lady, uh, which I say is the Beach Boys. It really was Dennis Wilson uh, by himself with uh, <laughs> with with Daryl Dragon of Captain and Tennille. Yes, he was uh, a member of the Beach Boys at this time uh-huh. period. Yeah, did, he was kind of their musical director for their live shows and stuff like that. And uh, so he he appeared on this. It was oh, I think it was credited to Dennis Wilson and Drumbo, which was the which was the uh, name or nom de tune of. Uh, Dennis Dragon or um, the captain from Captain Tennille. So here we go, everyone. This is Lady. Flowers come in the spring All the love I can bring Bring it for my lady All I can do You know You know it's for my lady I love her so I love to grow With my lady My lady Falling in love Summer winds again Together with my lady The life I live, live the life that I love, live it with my baby. I love her so. That has something I also love, which is uh, what sounds to me like uh, one of those programmed uh, drum tracks from a from a from like a, a organ you'd have at home. You know, one of those kind yeah. of organs that would be some in people's living rooms that you could have fun with and turn on like the the cha cha, yeah, yeah. And throw the rumba, yeah. and then play along with it, uh, you know, or not play along with it, but you, you know, know, randomly to, hit you know how keys. To play, just put rumba on. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Good times had by all. Everyone's rumbling. Yeah, or you could you could exactly. actually you could do things like just like 
select um, song things as well. And then you just press like a key and it would just sort of build the song from your like random pressing of keys, which was, you know, made you feel much better about yourself as a human. Because otherwise <laughs> your your organ playing was pretty, pretty awful. So, or mine, I'm not talking about yours, I'm talking about mine, mine but I'm just putting it in the... So it was... It was the opposite of this song, which was a beautiful song. It is a beautiful song, right? His voice yeah. is so good. Like Dennis Wilson is is, is like severely underappreciated for his. Uh, I think he's kind of got his due now, but at the time, you know, he was so little thought of. I mean, he was a bit of a, a you know, a loose pistol. He was a bit of a, a bit of a nut. Nut. He had some uh, substance abuse issues, and and uh, you know, like around this time, he. He punched out a glass door at his house when he was angry, and he he injured his hand, and so then he couldn't play drums as part of the Beach Boys. So they had to like bring in some like you know new drummer, and and Dennis just kind of like hung around the front of the stage doing nothing, I guess nursing his sore hand, I guess, but and singing. But you know, but he wrote songs like this. He wrote Forever. Uh, there's a fabulous song on Holland. Uh, I can't remember what it's called now. I'm sorry, everyone. I, I, you know, I can picture it in my mind, but I can't remember what it's called. But it's just all the songs were good at this time period. He did, he did a couple of solo albums. He did one solo album called Pacific Ocean Blue, which is pretty good. But I think by that point, he kind of like moved away from tunes for whatever reason. He got more about feel or something, which isn't quite as interesting to me. But uh, this song is great. So there we go. That was uh, top five plus one uh, lady songs. So I hope everyone enjoyed that. We'll, we'll try and keep that that ball and move, move in. I think. Let me look at my. I'm gonna look at my show schedule. This is five. This is five fifteen, right? So, uh, yeah. So the next one we're gonna do. I think we're gonna do some uh, Halloween songs next time. Halloween, ah, nice. Halloween songs that aren't the the Monster Mash. Let's put it that way. This is always my complaint. I always say like uh, I'm I shocked at the amount of Christmas songs there are. Yeah. And yet comes Halloween, mm-hmm. and I just hear Monster Mash over and over again. Well, I think that's just the, I need more. I think that's just the lack of imagination of radio programmers because. If you care to go back and listen to an old listening party episode, we did a Halloween one where I did an entire uh, entire show. I think I did 20, 20 songs of Halloween music So that aren't the Monster there Mash. There we are. So there you go. I'm not saying they're all great. I, I like them all, but you know, it's, it's up to you to decide. But I mean, the Monster Mash is a great song. I'm not saying the Monster Mash is great. The Monster Mash is a great song. Like, I mean, that's the reason it it's, keeps on ticking, you know. But uh, there were there were Halloween songs before it, and there were Halloween songs after it. But it just seemed to capture it has captured the imagination of radio programmers everywhere. And you know why? Because it's easy to do. It's already there, and you just put it on. There you go. And now it's now it's a cereal. Yeah. It's become a cereal. Have you seen the cereal? I have not. I have not. But then I don't. It is uh, Count Chocula. Oh, okay. It is a cranberry. It is blueberry, all combined in one. And it's Monster Mash. Sounds like a nightmare. Yeah, it's, it, those flavors don't go together. <laughs> that's a flavor nightmare. Because that's strawberry, right? Yeah, strawberry and chocolate. Okay, you could probably get away with that. Sure. Strawberry and blueberry, perhaps. <laughs> but blueberry and strawberry together? No, sir. No, sir. Maybe <laughs> in a smoothie, but you're throwing now in some chocolate. It's a mess. It's, it's a, a goddamn mess. Doesn't sound appealing at all. You know what? I, I, I don't even, when I'm at the grocery store, I don't even look at sugar cereals because I don't like them. Like I don't like sugary mm. cereals. Like I don't like. I like Fruit Loops, I guess, but I don't never buy them. But uh, wore a Captain Crunch shirt for quite a while as a youth. I know, but I wasn't allowed to eat sugary cereals as a kid, even though my dad worked for Quaker Oats and Quaker Captain Crunch cereals should have been available to me as like like I don't know like water falling from the sky, but it wasn't. <laughs> it was uh, we were we got Life cereal. We were we got Muffets. My mom loved Muffets, but. Um, <laughs> 
I don't mind. I like them. I mean, I grew up eating them. So I'm sure. I'm sure you did. Like I again, I I, I live with a family uh, who likes muffets as well. They <laughs> like the shredded wheat. They like the muffets. I don't uh, meet the muffets on the muffet show tonight. They should do something. <laughs> for someone who likes muffets so much, I really do not care for muffets. You don't like any other uh, uh, double double consonants that have been applied. You don't like muttets. You hate muttets. I've sure. Heard, I've heard you put down muttets. Don't like some at all. some some episodes of Doctor Who written by Stephen Moffat. I'm not for. <laughs> uh, really, I think is a pretty strong. Yeah. Really, yeah. Uh, well, like what, we can get into it later. Work. Which ones are you okay. you're thinking of? The like the later one. Maybe you get a bit tired later on, but there's still some yeah, good. I- got- there's still some good ideas in them. Oh, okay. Well, that's fine. So, oh well. I don't want to start slamming Moffat. Yeah, I, I know what you th- I, like. I understand what you're saying, but like, I really like the silence. Like, I I love when like the characters are like covered in well, that's, covered yeah. in marks and stuff like that. That was great. Uh, yeah, you're going for the best ones. Of course, you're gonna <laughs> you're gonna do. What do you you hate the girl in the fireplace? Why would you hate the girl in the fireplace? Silence. Oh, great. I can't believe you'd put down silence in the library. That's one of the that's one of the best. Uh, blink you would you hate blink boy jeez I, I, I can't believe blink. that you'd put down blink oh my gosh and i i even liked curse of the fatal death the fake uh, doctor who uh, that was uh, very funny uh well well done all the way along let's see what is it jesus uh, uh the pyramid at the end of the world eh, that was probably pretty i don't good. remember that one so. I, I have to admit i kind of stopped watching yeah, okay, there you go. So. yeah let's say that that was the one that was the one that wasn't good yeah. i mean it was a bit all right. <laughs> I don't so, know the ones that I saw. I really liked. So yeah, that's good. Okay. Last week on the show, <laughs> we asked certain questions. Mm-hmm. And those questions were going to be answered yeah. now yes. by you, the listener. Oh. Uh, question number one: uh, What Stephen Moffat work do you like the least? Oh, that's interesting. Let's take that. <laughs> no, more than that. Uh, have is, it, you ever is it press game? Is it uh, Jekyll? Is it? Is it? Yeah. Is it cu- coupling? Have you ever <laughs> had work done around your home by someone who was? Cl- Clearly incompetent. <laughs> and also, uh, please uh, uh, celebrate the release of No Time to Die by generating your own Bond film title. Okay, let's do this. Mm-hmm. Chris Roberts writes, Thanks for yet another great show, folks. You continue to brighten my weekends. Oh, I'm reading the compliments out loud. That's always embarrassing. I like Thank when you read the compliments. Uh, I need those compliments. All right. Uh, you're a fine fellow. Um, <laughs> Thank I'm you. No, I'm no James Bond fan, but yeah. I think it's, it's clear by... Right now, I'll never resist an opportunity. The list of terribles inspired, if that's the word, by Tomorrow and I's twisting a Beatles song title. Mm. I found myself wondering what other fab tunes might lend themselves to Bond movie names. Yeah. You didn't ask for them. Here they are anyway. <laughs> Thank you, Chris. Octopus. Which, oh, say that uh, one again. Sorry. Say that one again. You kind of cut out, you cut out on my end, so I don't know if you uh, say that one again. Very good. Octopus. All right. Oh, my God. I want to Octopus's Garden. <laughs> Octopus's Garden, okay, Uh, that's very good. In which Ringo takes a boat trip to Sardinia, only to discover a supervillain's lair underwater. Very nice. This is a pretty good one. Ubla D, Ubla Die. In which a non-binary market trader helps James foil a bad guy's plot for world domination with constant repetition of a silly yet irresistible catchphrase. Mm. Mm Mm-hmm. The Man with the Golden Slumbers, <laughs> in which Christopher Lee creates a song so dull it could send the entire world to sleep so he can take charge, features Coldplay. <laughs> can I just say, can I just, can I, can I put a, um, that I just want to add to it, which would be The Knower Man with the Golden Slumbers. Oh, very good. Very good. Strawberry Fields Are Forever, 
in which you can't, you know, tune in, but it's all right. <laughs> That's good. Now, now, a list of quick coming attractions. Okay. I want to hold your Okay. Uh, I oh, want sorry, to hold your what's handgun. It? I want to hold your handgun, okay. Okay. Yeah. I want to hold your handgun, Dr. Nowhere Man, and do you want to know a secret service? <laughs> <laughs> Until then, then, as John Lennon so very nearly said, Ah, Boasaka, oh, I'm going to get this wrong. Ah, Boakawa, Pussy yeah. Galore. I'm sorry, sorry, I'm not getting the reference. Dave, you get the reference? <sighs> no, I don't. Is it from? Uh, oh, so is sorry. it part of the lyrics for Across the Universe? Sure. Oh, I'm sorry. It's brilliant. I'm sure it's brilliant. <laughs> sorry. Oh no. I was hoping you wouldn't ask so, me that. Okay. <laughs> Uh, okay, now we're moving on to. There's a little back and forth about uh, from Edward Draganski and you about how great it is, and you can't follow it, and you go, "Oh, you can," and the thing, and ah, uh, oh, so much back and forth. <laughs> great. But then we're going to Louise. Yeah, our friend Louise. I'm putting off on seeing the latest James Bond movie in a cinema due, during a pandemic because, as the title clearly states, it's no time to die. Oh, very, very good. So my titles are meant to urge 007 and his fans to stay. And take a nap until this is all over. Here they are. Wait another day. Okay. Tomorrow's soon enough. License to chill. <laughs> live and let lie. A snooze to a kill. And the dying nightlights. <laughs> Let's just say we got some brilliant people listening to this nonsense. Mm-hmm. We bork, 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 and then genius at the end. And hopefully everyone <laughs> remembers the genius stuff. Thank you for uh, making the show like at least 80% smarter. Um, and continuing on Louise's letter. Speaking of sleep, like Ian, I am prone to insomnia. Something that helps me is the $30 Bluetooth headphone uh, headband from Amazon. The one I got is made by Peritong. Okay, there are sponsors now. Peritong, the headband uh, that Louise uses, and she's funny. Yeah. It makes you look like an 80s fitness instructor, yeah. but it's more comfortable sleeping than regular headphones. Use your Periton on your Peloton. There you go. Better than earbuds. It's also good for exercising on that or doing yard work <laughs> as the band doesn't shift when you're bending over. Mm. It sounds like you're a robot uh, cracking his knuckles right now. <laughs> Sorry. I was, I was t- t- dipping my, my greedy fingers into a bag of uh, gummy gummy uh, thingies. Good enough. I'm glad you're. I'm glad you're not going without the gummy candies. I was worried about. <laughs> I know. I, I thought. Oh my gosh! I'm not going to have a Coke to keep me awake, or or gummy candies to uh, to uh, tide me through the uh, the mail. But I brought them out myself, so it's fine. I'll eat off Mike, though. I'll eat off Mike. Continuing Louise's letter, I usually play an eight-hour audiobook with a smooth voice narrator and mindless plot. There are thousands on YouTube, and that puts me to sleep pretty fast. When I wake up in the night, I just listen to more of the book instead of thinking anxious thoughts and I fall back to sleep. Now, there's a subgenre of uh, unintended sleep books, uh, which people have posted to YouTube. And apparently one of them is The Spire by William Golding, read by Benedict Cumberbatch. I don't know. I think I'll end up having Dr. Strange dreams, but he does have a soothing voice. So maybe I'll give it a try. <laughs> Poor so, William yeah. Golding. Now we're, yeah, now we're moving on to Edward Drugansky's letter. It's oh, coming in the hey. middle of the letters, which I don't know. I don't know if I like this. I like them in the beginning. I like them at the end. <laughs> Will it work in the middle? We'll see. I didn't Answer realize the first question. I don't know if you're going to get to a part of his letter, but I, I didn't realize that he wrote his letters at work. Oh, that's what he admitted to well, today. Hey, Edward, get back to work. <laughs> yeah, you got time to lean. You got time to clean. That's what I say. 
right. as a horrible boss. <laughs> uh, I'm doing this at my wife's work right now. So, you know, who am I to judge? <laughs> um, answering the first question, I have to say that my dad isn't as incompetent as he is impatient. The man can fix just about anything. He does a great job with it. If it's his own stuff. The minute mm. I ask my dad to help me fix something of mine, he gets very rushed and impatient, which leads him to breaking something or hurting himself. Well, that's no good. I've gotten to where I, I, cho I chose uh, whether or not the job is right for him or not out of his, his best interests. He knows none of this. It's just us looking out for him and his own stuff. I'm glad he doesn't know what a podcast is. <laughs> yep. That's what I say to all my parents, too. I, bought, yeah, I did have a car I bought right out of college, a Ford Probe. This car was a Ford with a massive powertrain under the hood, and it was a disaster of a vehicle. I had this thing in and out of the shop for almost a month, and the most incompetent mechanics trying to repair it. At one point, they told me I needed a new planetary gear. A planetary gear? Who are you? Scotty in engineering? That sounds like something on the USS Enterprise. That is where Scotty works. So on top of it I think all, it's in your transmission, isn't it? They, they gave me a, a loaner Ford Tempo. Ford Tempo? What am I, my yo-yo ma? On the USS Enterprise? In the holodeck? No. Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> they, they gave me a loaner Ford Tempo to drive that smelled like B.O. and beer farts. Ooh. Uh, once I knew, well, you know what? The beer farts do cover up the B.O. Yeah. Well, the B.O. does cover let's, up the beer farts. Let's, so, be, you know, let's, be, fair to, let's be fair to the beer farts. Once I knew that the Ford Probe was in stable shape, I sold it and bought a black Camaro so I could have at least one cool car before we started having kids. The Ford Probe was a turd on wheels, and I challenged my fellow sneakers, when was the last time you saw a Ford Probe on the road, if ever? Yeah, the last time I saw it was when was it was chasing the $6 million man. Oh, sorry, <laughs> that was the, the Venus Probe. I'm sorry. Okay, very good. I was going to go, all you need to do is get like just a little bit past 60 miles an hour and you got that guy. <laughs> um, once again, this episode, Ian was dead on about how we remember all the sensory details of our grandparents' house. I can still smell and feel what my grandmother's house was like. It's hardwired into me, the smell of cigarettes and coffee in the morning, along with a stiffness as if the house wasn't allowed to breathe. It sounds awful, but I would give anything to experience it once again. My grandma, who didn't have one enemy in the world, sat at her kitchen table in a state of complete bliss. The small TV in the kitchen was always tuned to WGN Chicago, and the TV guide was always on the table. I'd wait and start going through the TV guide, and it wasn't long before grandma would ask, what time does Arnold come on? That was what she called all different strokes, one of her favorite shows. Same time as it did yesterday, grandma, 9.30. She smiled, not realizing Arnold would be on anyway because the TV was always tuned to WGN. <laughs> The house wasn't a palace, but I was treated like a prince when I was there. That's mm. very sweet. About yes. laser discs, I had a player where you could, had to flip, flip, flip the discs, but more so if they were in CAV format. CAV mm -hmm. were the discs that were encoded with more detail, so you could pause the screen for a clear, still picture. Uh, those discs were lesser encoded. Uh, the lesser encoded uh, CLV discs were the lesser encoded kind. The screen went blue uh, when paused. Those didn't require flipping as often as the CAV discs. When I paid a whopping $250 for the first Star Wars trilogy in the deluxe CAV format, I was flipping those discs since it uh, took nine of them front and back to watch the first three movies. Oh but God. I could pause it for the first time and see everything. Mm -hmm. And uh, thank you to Ian, that's me, for recommending the Marvels podcast. <laughs> I subscribed, but my sneaky dragon always comes first. Oh, thanks so much. 
Jonathan Bampton writes, oh, Chris, so good. Harder than it looks. Okay. My poor attempts. As your spy can die, can't buy me a license to kill. Do you want to know a state secret? And for no one, Zyze. Well done. Well done. (laughs) Yes. And you know, again, uh, 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 James Bond did not like the Beatles. So he would hate those. Well done. <laughs> Mick Elliott writes. Yeah. I think probably a Daniel Craig James Bond would be okay with the Beatles. I'm gonna I'm gonna bet that. Yeah, I think I think the um, he's changed. Mick a Elliott bit. writes. Yes. Years ago as an undergrad, I performed in a 007 themed comedy review titled You Only Laugh Twice. <laughs> Don't think I can top that, but here are some Ian Fleming-ish titles. Okay. Quartz Claw. Mm-hmm. Professor Professor Niet, Cubic Zirconia is Forever, <laughs> Live and Let Lie, The Scorpion of Scorpion of Amp Work, Cyanide Kiss, The Honeypot Dossier, and The Man with the Diamond Finger, and so on. <laughs> oh, that would be the worst doctor. The worst doctor. Um, <laughs> and we move on from diamonds to crystal. <gasps> oh, my husband hired a so-called professional painter to paint the metal roof on a rental house last year. Some, sometimes I wonder, whatever happened to taking pride in a job well done or taking the time to do a job correctly? The guy didn't bother to sweep off leaves or sticks from the roof before painting. Oh, oh that's awful. That's ridiculous. He also used a tree to clean his brushes. <laughs> uh, just wiped them off on a squirrel. Oh and left gosh. a huge silver puddle of paint in the yard. Perfect. Hmm. Will Bond ever retire? Perhaps one day he'll transfer from Her Majesty's Secret Service to Her Majesty's Public Service. <laughs> Submitted for your amusement is the James Bond title, The Man with the Golden Card. Hope you can catch it when it hits drive-ins and backyard theaters next summer. Oh, Bond trades in his license to kill for a library card and finds himself entwined in a variety of scandals and controversies, including a shootout and periodicals uh, when Penny... Pincher attempts to steal the coupon insert from the newspaper. See Bond in a high-speed chase scene as he runs down a 70-year-old granny who forgot she had books in her hands. When she walked out the front door, Bond gets reprimanded for excessive force when he detonates the house of a man who checked out uh, who checked out Never Ever Returns Exorcism, Exorcisters Volume 1, all oh, bless, uh, despite repeated overdue notices. It, it would probably have gotten uh, Rotten Tomatoes score of zero two seven, which is also the Dewey for general libraries. <laughs> well, clever. Very nice. Please tell Regis that they announced on the news this morning that John Deere workers have gone on strike, and mm. he was right. Clarkson's Farm was an enjoyable series on Prime. Have a great week, everyone. Thank you, Crystal. Nice. There you go, Regis. A uh, reason for you to write in. There we go. Reason for reason. Re- a yeah, reason for Regis to write. There's our track. Yeah, a reason for reasons to write repeatedly. <laughs> uh, it's nice to do a, a, a tractor check-in. Um, Edward Dragansky writes again. Hmm. Edward Dragansky will return in the next letter. Um, I remember when Daniel Craig was promoting Casino Royale. They partnered with Heineken Beer for some great TV spots. They did. The 007 purists went berserk. How dare James Bond drink beer? He's a martini drinker. Now you have him hanging around in a library. It's a good setup, though. The back room would be a great front for Q and his M16 workshop, creating gadgets and traps within the library. Remember, knowledge is power. That's very, very true. That is true. Now, listen, how do you follow, how do you follow up an Edward Drugansky letter with two more Edward Drugansky letters? That's how you do it. <laughs> wow. In what, re- 
and what reminds me, I'm going to just read them straight through. Sure. So, you know, you this is only two letters I'm combining into one. Yep. Right. Uh, and what reminds me of an exercise from my copywriting class in college, I had to give the 007 title some thought. There are three obvious camps for the titles. The ones named after the villain, like Dr. No, Goldfinger, and Spectre. The ones that are action cue titles of a specific object or place, like Thunderball, Moonraker, or Skyfall. And lastly, the famously used life and death call to action, like Live and Let Die, Die Another Day, or You Only Live Twice. I skipped the villain-themed ones and went to the action-cued Snowblind, Diamond Head, could be a villain, yeah. Spy Killer, Silencer, then a stab at the life and death, a life worth killing for, a death worth living for, mm. a life worth dying for, <laughs> the death of a lifetime. Nice. Uh, by the way, use those in books. Those are good titles. Just use them. That's great. <laughs> then I started thinking of how well some uh, comic titles would have worked. Kingdom Come, House of M. Yeah, no, all, those are all uh, very, uh, very, very, very good. Um, uh, Legion, that would also work. Oh, yeah, we like it. Uh, but we like to keep uh, MGM and uh, Eon out of any legal battles, right? Yes, for sure. That's right. Fun stuff, I'm sure. I'll think of a half dozen more once I click submit. If this were full marks, I'd request the naming of some other Marx Brothers films. But feel free to plug the show now in place of that. Oh, uh, you should listen to Full Marks. It's another podcast. Yes, we did about uh, every Marx Brothers movie. Well done. And I'll leave you with one more question because I'm bored as hell at work today. When G.I. Joe used to say, knowing is half the battle, what was the other half? Oh, the other half? Ads for toys. <laughs> Just straight out ads for freaking toys. Send in those uh, the proof of purchases and you're going to get Refrigerator Perry. That's what you're going to get. Yeah, ads for toys. Huh. Stay sneaky, gentlemen. Well, now Stay we know. Edward. Now we know the answer to that question. Yeah. And knowing is uh, all of the battle, I guess, in that case, because that's all we need to know. <laughs> so our question, our question this week is um, the 1950s. Yeah, we're catering to uh, a young demographic here. <laughs> Very um, young. Yes. What was funny in the 50s? What was funny? Uh, you know what? I'll even take early 60s. Early 60s, before it got, you know, into Dave's music that he was playing earlier. You know, that crazy <laughs> rock and roll. But, like, around the 50s to the early 60s, what was uh, funny? Because I feel it was a very button-down time, as Dave says. Uh, even there was even, like, an album called The Button-Down Comedy of Bob Newhart. <laughs> I, what, what I can think of one TV show that wasn't that button-down, but uh, okay. most of the others, I think. Uh... Oh, you want me to tell, say it? Yeah, sure. Uh, you'll Never Get Rich. Okay, Steve Bilko, yeah, yeah. Sergeant Bilko, yeah, yeah. yeah. The Bilko show, yeah. Yeah, sure. That was, uh, I think that show was pretty um, pretty daring for its time, like pretty, uh, you know. And then nice. inspired Top Cat, which was a, a cat who wore a tie. <laughs> and so all the other cats, they all wore ties. <laughs> because you got to wear a tie. Because cat, cats are yeah. very formal and uh, always, yeah. always wear a tie. Good they for love them. Wearing stuff around their necks, they love it. <laughs> crazy about it. What? What? Okay, so in our modern time, if someone's making limited animation, what would replace the uh, tie? What would What would they have now? You know what? It would just be that loosey goosey flash animation where, like, they just like loop into the shot and then loop out of the shot. Like they don't <laughs> physically. If you're talking really, I would say that. But yeah. Let's see. What would physical thing that they would have? Uh, in today's modern animation, um, I oh, oh boy, there's so many different types of animation. Depends what you're talking about. Yeah, I'm just thinking, thinking of li um, limited animation of the sort of the Hanna Barbera type. What 
what could they use now? Like, because you know, when they put ties on all those creatures, ties are a fairly common day-to-day thing that you would see. But I don't think ties are quite as common as they were in those days. Like, you know. Yeah, the problem is there isn't really the Saturday morning animation. <laughs> well, like that's there was, they cranked out the cranked out the stuff. Yeah, I'm thinking like you know, I'm going to like Gravity Falls you know, right now, or, you know, Big City Greens, you know, and it's like, that's actually pretty well on animation. I would say the thing that you would see more often now is very large eyes, huge, huge eyes, maybe <laughs> bulgy eyes yeah. on all these characters. Yeah. So that would, that would be a thing that would go, it's now, is <laughs> it's bulgy eye time. I don't know if The Simpsons was the inspiration for that, but we're in, we're in a very bulgy eye generation. What do you, what do you think? Um, well, I'm just trying to think of like how they would hide like the, the, the head, the head turning, you know, so they don't have to like animate the whole thing. And I'm not sure what, I'm not, I'm not sure what, uh, is so commonplace now that, uh, everyone. Well, it's not anymore. So, you know what, you know what it is? The kerchief. Everyone wears a kerchief around the neck nowadays. Everywhere you go, see a kerchief. There you go. They all Hey guys, I'll stop wearing kerchiefs around your neck. Actually, what would make it really easy now is everyone wearing masks. <laughs> don't have to even oh, do the geez, mouth. Yeah. Don't have to do the mouth at all. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. You think that would make it easier, right? There was, um, <laughs> yeah, there, there was actually a thing. Um, uh, Emma, Emma Allen, uh, PM, my editor at the New Yorker, yep. did a panel this weekend uh, about uh, cartooning, and uh, some of the cartoonists who were on it were talking about, you know, having to draw people with masks. And it makes it more difficult because, you know, you can't show the expression and it's hard to see who's talking. Yeah. You think like, oh, you have to draw less face. It makes it easier. Nope. Makes it more difficult. <laughs> I would think so. Yeah. Yeah. Plus, how do you yeah. explain the cat wearing a mask? It's really hard then. Oh, there'd be a funny joke about that. <laughs> Hilarious joke. Uh, I'm sorry. Are you familiar with cartoons? Cats act like people. It's, it, that's, that's, it does that's seem, funny. they do seem a popular subject. You're right. We, um, we, we sold, uh, two cartoons, uh, in the last couple of days, which is nice. To, uh, New we York? Sold to, one, New to the New Yorker. Yeah. One nice. is going to be for the captain contest, which is, which is fun. Okay. We try to do like one crazy, crazy cartoon submission a week so that, you know, it's like, uh, if you don't use it for the joke, you might use it for the image. Yeah. Uh, so we did do that. And then it, it's very rare I say this, but I was like, it was one of my favorite jokes I've ever written. I'm not going to say what it is because yeah. I don't own it anymore. But like, <laughs> I, 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 I wrote it and I started giggling and then I, and I, and then I like gave it over to Pia and she just like immediately wrote me back. I'm like, that's a great joke. I'm like, I know <laughs> to the point where like, I got to see if this joke exists. So you do a big scan for the joke and see if anyone's done the joke. I'm like, I don't think anyone's done this joke. That's it's like, great. okay. And so we sold that joke that this week and I was like oh very happy about this and I'm waiting for someone to call me out and just go like oh you know that's a Charles Adams joke I'm like oh no <laughs> just waiting, waiting for that huh. um, but uh, but so far so it's uh, so good that's great that's kind of funny yeah. how, how that it's kind of like um, you know you think to yourself like people must be running out of like chord sequences or m- melodies or you know like, like how do people keep thinking of like new melodies or new chord sequences And but it just feels like you know, we just can keep ringing the changes on these things. You know, even the, even though like a thousand people or thousands of people have done thousands of jokes, there's still there's still good jokes out there waiting to be found. It's like it's like you're bit mining. You got a you got a nice Bitcoin as a joke. You, you found it. Yeah, you that's, mined what I, it. that's what I would think. Yeah, I think when I've uh, written a joke, I go like this. 
all like a Bitcoin. <laughs> I feel non-fungible. Non, non, non-fungible? Sure. No, like, I feel like I'm not like a mushroom. <laughs> I feel like I'm a, a real, a good plant that grows up and mushroom that's yeah. just growing in shit. Yeah, non-fungible. That's, that's non, like non-fungible. That's different. Shit. Yeah, yeah. Different. Yeah, that's exactly it. <laughs> You, do you have a second question for the uh, for our good listeners? If not, I, I probably have one on backup. Do I have a second question? Okay, you, you do your backup. My backup question is, um, uh, what is uh, who who's a cartoonist that you like? As in, like you, you know, uh, a newspaper cartoonist. I will also accept okay. magazine cartoonist. Okay. Uh, double points for. Maybe we haven't heard the, of this person before, mm. but like someone who's uh, working like, this be like in the in the newspaper. Uh, it can be an editorial cartoonist, but just like who's a cartoonist that you like? Uh. And uh, you know, you don't have to, you don't have to say me. <laughs> you don't have. To. But it helps. He'll get your he'll get to get your letter yeah. read. That's for sure. So here's an example. Dave's a cartoonist. I like. I like Dave. He's, oh, he cartoons. thank you. That's good. Thanks very much. There you go. Well, All right. I would you, I would return the so I would I'm return gonna, the compliment, but it would feel really forced and awkward. But uh... yeah, yeah, don't want that. <laughs> don't want that in this uh, in this show. <laughs> That's not our style. <laughs> well, I, I, I always like your cartoons a lot. So, ah, bless. Thanks. Um, so if you uh, did, so if you do come up with a question, let me know, and I'll stop my uh, telling people how to write to us. Okay. All right. You are you going to tell people right, how? Here to, we go. Are you going to tell people how to write to us? I am. All right. Here it goes. Okay. Uh, if you go to sneakydragon.com, you'll find our message board, and underneath uh, each episode, that's a, a space there you could like uh, respond to the questions or ask us questions we'd love to hear from you if you want to email us we're at sneaky d at sneaky dragon.com sneaky d at sneaky dragon.com on tumblr we're sneaky underscore dragon and uh, on tumblr we're sneaky score dragon no we're not on t- on twitter we're sneaky underscore dragon that's what we are on tumblr we're sneaky dragon.tumblr.com <laughs> that's what we are except no substitutes and if you see us in person uh say hi uh you know maintain social distance we'll wave to you um, you know, we'll carry on some light conversation. It'll be nice to meet you. Um, but aside from that, there you go. And if you feel like uh, watching TV, uh, my wife has a TV show that uh, is a comic she called Last Man that is on uh, in Canada on FX in the UK and other European countries. Uh, it is on Disney Plus. It's the number 10 show, I think, on Disney Plus uh, worldwide, which is pretty neat. And in the States, it's on FX on Hulu or Hulu on FX. One of those two. I don't know how your system works, but it's one of those things. And new episodes come out on Mondays. So uh, if you feel like checking that out, please do. And if you want to read a book that I colored and our friend Nina Matsumoto uh, drew, uh, we've got a series of books uh, called Sparks that are for kids, but uh, uh, everyone seems to like them, I think. Uh, all ages, why not? About two cats who dress up as a dog and save the world. The first book is called Sparks. Second one is called uh, Sparks Double Dog Dare. Third one coming out in uh, March of next year is Sparks Future Perfect. It is available for pre order now. I would advise you to do so because that makes things look better for us. <laughs> so on and so forth. There we go. Hey, speaking of Sparks, this is something I don't think we talked yes, about, which is that we won, or the book won, uh, an award called the otter award did we mention that yeah it's a yeah it's a washington it's a washington award yeah yeah um it's that, like uh, it's like red robin washington from, library from washington yeah and we're very uh, very happy about that uh, uh dave and i shot a uh, a little funny uh thank you video 
for that with the help of my sister-in-law Vicky Van, mm-hmm. which uh, they they enjoyed. Uh, but yeah, that was a real it was a real treat. Uh, did they say uh, the, Did they say the video that, was so. a hoot? Did they say that video was a hoot? Oh, because uh, they're uh, they're otters and otters hoot. No, I just I just because I like the idea of people thinking something was so funny they said they hooted, but but yeah, no. <laughs> that would be nice. Yeah. But no, I don't think there. I don't know if there was hooting, but they oh, did enjoy it. Apparently. That's good. Well, I'm glad they enjoyed it. Guys, we yeah, only, and they, we only had to film it thirty times. They're probably gonna. Put, yeah, they said they were gonna put that up somewhere. So if it does go up somewhere and it's public and we can link to it, we will. And uh, then you can hoot uh, at it as well. <laughs> Please give Have a hoot. A hoot. Give a hoot for that. Now, all I could think was the system thing. Give a hoot. Read a book. The crusty thing. I thought, are you going with something like that for libraries? And I was like, eh, no, he wasn't. And I was like, it's an otter. Yeah. No, I, just, I love that expression. And it before you ask, is it a river otter? Is it a sea otter? We don't know. Yeah. We don't know. Yeah. I know there's a difference in size. It makes it makes a world of difference. We don't know. We're just happy with the award. That's, that's a good, that's a good point because Washington State has both rivers and is a coastal state, so it could be it could be both a sea otter as well as being a freshwater otter. I would like to and think of that as a freshwater otter because that's more fun to say. Yeah, and a sea otter that'll mm-hmm. tear you up. That thing is a that thing is the wolverine of the sea. That, <laughs> that thing will mess you up. They got yeah. some claws on that thing. That thing cracks open oysters like without a thought. Yeah, a thought. Yeah. Have you ever seen the knife you need to do that? Sure. That guy's got like knife hands. Yeah. Just Freddy Krueger that thing open. So so don't mess with a sea otter. Yeah. River otter you can mess around. With. Take warning if you if you look in any way like an oyster, stay away from otters. Now, here's the bigger question, Dave. Mm-hmm. Why did I do that when that was your job tonight? <laughs> you wrapped the show up. Sitting back. <laughs> eating, eating gummy worms. You know what? You, yeah, you, just, you seem so eager. You seem so eager. I just thought, well, whatever. <laughs> Why make a fuss? <laughs> Dave, I've got a tummy ache. <laughs> I've been told I'm too easygoing, but so uh, oh well, that's all right. Hey, you enjoyed doing that, didn't you? You did a small job. Mm-hmm. And everyone, mm-hmm. we hope that you, during this week, have a great week. If that's too many weeks. Is that too many weeks? Did I say week too often, that, that saying? Shoot, now I've fallen apart. The wheels came right off. It's so quickly. That's how, that's how it works here. Um, but yeah, huh. we want you to have a great week and write us, write to us, and and let us know how your week was, answer our skill testing questions, and we'll be back in, I don't know, we'll be back next Saturday, I guess. Enjoy. (laughs) 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 It fell apart. I'm no professional. I think we've established that by now.